All right. So before this podcast, we were discussing noise gating solutions. Uh, what yes. would you do, Keith, if I just started like sauteing vegetables in the background during the podcast, and you just had this constant noise of like I would just mute you and and but then also make your screen the biggest one, <laughs> and it would just be yeah. it would just Silently become a visual sauteing. show. Yeah. <laughs> what happens to your footage when I'm sauteing? Our lunch in the background, Carl. For the most part, it's not it's not picked up. The AT twenty twenties are pretty um pretty not sensitive actually. They're pretty selective. Yeah. Do we yeah. have the yeah. exact same microphone now? All of us using AT twenty twenties, yes. Oh yes. Yeah. We've unified. They're yeah. good. Yeah. They're really good. Like, I liked my blue yeti quite a lot, but it was too much. Mm-hmm. Like it would uh it would just pick up everything from like my farts to <laughs> shells farts to birds farts. I don't fart. <laughs> and boy, the damn yeah, girls don't fart. <laughs> I don't ever fart audibly on camera. You had you had to wash out its coat. Yeah. <laughs> but like it was a it was a it was a good microphone. It was especially fine. like early on when there were two of us and we couldn't afford like a a split or anything like that. Yeah, we were just using the singular microphone to record the both of us, just sat it on the table between us. Yep. So we've all transitioned fully away from using blue hardware. Uh, I never used blue hardware. I know you didn't because you're all like, I'm a professional audio engineer or something, and I'm, I know, I know better than everybody. True, I did use, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I might have to use the blue when I do my individual stuff in the other room. Yeah. But, yeah. If Not I get around to that. that, we are no longer blue dava dee dava da. Mm-hmm. Nope. But Wander has a girlfriend, and she is so blue. <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> At least in D and D. It fits well. I just, I just talking about hey, how you're going to be the blue. one using the microphone. <laughs> the, you're going to be the only one left using the blue microphone in the house. It's and true. It fits the lyrics. Eiffel sixty five predicted the future of the Wanderbot rise to power. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you just play one of their songs backwards and it's like, subscribe to Wanderbot, and I'm like, this is uncomfortable. <laughs> Especially because I was, what, eight when their first songs came out? Yeah. Probably. Oh, Jesus. Okay, well, should we get this podcast fully underway, or is this underway? I'm sitting here Googling when Eiffel 65 launched. 1999. Yeah, right. so I was nine. <laughs> nine. Nine years old. Okay. Yeah. So we've been playing Fortnite lately. and uh, Yeah, we'll talk about that, I guess. We've got another week into that. And boy, oh boy, it still feels like the game hasn't started yet, doesn't it? Yeah. No, it's it's very true. Um, I So I've played a lot more than you guys have. And I think I have to say it doesn't start until Chapter 2, but even then I don't know. It feels uh, like the it game definitely... has a 20-hour tutorial. <laughs> Yeah, it definitely does. It's kind of one of those where it's, like, slowly introducing you to mission types. And honestly, like, it really could pace it better. Because, uh, like, a, lo- a lot of them are just, like... Like, a lot of the quests that you have to go through are just, like, go and... Uh, 
How to describe they, well, it? Well, they get I guess you super like, heavily because they'll literally be like, "You cannot continue forward with the story until you complete this next mission that we've decided on well, specifically." And this next mission it, is loot one chest somewhere. I'm like, I've looted ten yeah. chests already, but yeah. it only counts now. And I'm like, okay, I'll do an mm. entire mission just to see if I find one chest. And it's like, why am I doing this? <laughs> like, why are these the missions? You can't progress until you loot chests, but they won't check if you've done it before, which is fr- which, which is rough. For me, it's just the game's weird. called Fortnite, which means implies that the game's about, you know, building forts. And yeah. so far, we haven't played a single mission really where it was really necessary to do more than build a wall and yeah. then shoot everybody. Yeah. So the mission where you really need to build walls and traps and stuff are maybe the Storm Shield defenses, because I've, I've done a couple of those and they get a little bit mm-hmm. hectic. Uh, if you're not prepared for them. Like, I ran out of ammo on one, and I'm like, well, I guess I gotta rely on traps, and Oh boy, I don't have any. Also, we've so been four-man became... squatting a lot of things, so yeah, you definitely need more traps in the game, room. though. Right? Yeah. Like if you if you play the game solo, the game will automatically try to force you into four-man squads with random people because that's supposed yeah. to be the way it's played. For me, just with the moment I learned about storm shield defenses, where you uh, you have a persistent base, I've just started refusing to place traps anywhere besides those missions because I know they disappear yeah. the moment the mission's over and you're throwing away your resources. Whereas right, I, I haven't I put placed it down a trap just in, in a single play session outside yeah. of the uh, fort ones. The tutorial and stuff like that. Yeah. Too. I actually, like, I've actually been placing a lot of traps because as you progress through the game, you pick up um, tons, tons of like random miscellaneous garbage traps that aren't any good, but also like tons of kind of list materials i've just been recycling mm. all those well so here's the problem i have so many planks of wood that i actively need to make traps <laughs> or i have to just throw away the planks of wood because this game does kind of that frustrating thing where you've got that like inventory limit and you have no place to like store stuff so yeah. i've got 500 planks of wood in my inventory and i don't quite want to get rid of them because i might need them but uh, they count against my inventory limit, so I'm like at 80 out of 100. You gotta scramble for all those inventory upgrades you can find, like inside of your uh, your character yeah. sheet and stuff like that. And apparently, your storm shield doesn't inv- inventory, but I haven't really found it where does. that is or how yeah, it works. If, if when you talk to the console, you get like a you get an inventory, uh, but it only has five slots in it, so it's uh, not exactly hmm. reliable and, for storage either. Yeah, well, you can increase that as you go a little bit, I think. But even then, like. The idea then is you have to slowly load into a mission for just to store something in your store, storm shield, then load back out of it, which seems a bit much. Yeah. In, in, in general, like there's like a, it feels like a five minute delay between me thinking I'm going to play Fortnite and then me playing Fortnite because of the yeah, because <laughs> there's always so much management too. There's yeah. Not even just the management, but like loading the epic launcher, which takes a weirdly long time to load it, load up and log in. Then finally, I've had launch on the that you game. need a disc. I've had no such issues with that. It's pretty much like instant transfer and straight into the game. If, for me, when I launch Epic, it takes forever. Then I try launching Fortnite, and it very, very slowly loads and says it's logging me in. But then I hit the the go button on the title screen, and then it says it's logging me in again. Apparently, which also takes a long time. And like, there's actually a lot of delay before you get to just the menu, where then you're then you're forced to look at like the loaded in, the login screen, and then the daily reward screen, and then you mm-hmm. dive into the Skinner box nightmare, which. It's been really weird, like, uh, Bird and I have been talking about this a lot, about, like, we sometimes we'll just spend an hour managing the various Skinner boxes and basically pressing the level up button on six different systems, all so that we can then go into our next match where we just shoot guys in the head a lot. <laughs> like, 
the yeah. Skinner box is so much more complicated than the actual like game depth so right. far. It's really weird mm -hmm. disconnect disconnect there. And the uh, I I feel like it would be a lot easier to manage things if there were a couple of at least like macros. Or yeah, something like, to take care of really common things. There should be like, at the very least like a duplicates tab. Yes. On yes, there like be. everything. Because yeah. yeah, we all get a ton of duplicates. Or there should like, be like what do we do with these. There should be like some sort of icon that just says like X2 or X3 or X4 on anything yeah. if you have multiple of them. And you should just be able to click on it and just be like purge these things. I only want one now. There like, are weird I, sorting problems, like when you, if you do the thing yes. like we did, where we just loaded, we looted like fourteen llamas in a row. Uh, mm -hmm. You scroll down, and like the founder tokens, for example, will show up like seven times while you're scrolling down because they didn't combine into a stack for the sake of readability. Right, oh, that's that weird. That stuff happens a lot, where it's just like, why is that? It's both not sorted meaningfully by category or any order, but also done on, the stacks don't even combine while you're looking through the like the loots and things like that. Mm -hmm. It's a it's a weird mess, and then they one like the tenth Skinner box we encounter on this long list of several several systems was the collection box or collection book, which is like a sticker book of like you just put items in your sticker book and it levels up your sticker book for some reason, which leads to more level ups happening because it's really there's so many layers to this stuff, and that one is like oh you open a thing you're like okay um well is it okay for me to sell that do I have a better one or a worse one so then you have to like close that go back to the individual menu for the item that the item's from, and then compare, mm -hmm. like, do I have dupes of this, or do I have a higher level one that makes it okay to sell this one? Like, you actually can't really tell from the sticker book itself. And so there's a lot of, like, unnecessary back and forth and for what amounts to being, like, the 10th layer of Skinner boxing that happens during in the launcher. And I'm like, why is this... Why is this so convoluted? It's it's such a it's such a level of convolution for what amounts to, like, how high your health and shields meters are going to be. Cause like it's you, almost you, unethical. <laughs> like you assign your characters to eight different squads. Your uh, your survivors that. you get uh, like collectible cards, I, that, which I, then just make your stats go up a little bit or something. I don't really like Skinner boxes to begin with, which is why I don't like MMOs. And then it's like this is like the most Skinner boxy Skinner boxy Skinner box <laughs> I've ever seen. <laughs> but but I play MMOs for story. It reaches a level of self-parody that actually defeats like, Warframe in some ways. The fact that you can put stuff into a collection, like, tab, <laughs> and then like an animal you, can also, museum. you can also level up things if they're in the collection book is ridiculous. Because <laughs> you can go into the yeah. item that's in your collection book and invest your experience into this already thrown away item to level it up to make your collection book worth more. Yeah, like... <laughs> So you basically They're just trying to find more points to put things into. Exactly. You it's like you you basically have to collect every single thing in the game twice. Like uh that's that's ridiculous. <laughs> so this is actually uh I got to interject for a second. So whenever we bring this game up I get a lot of questions of what's a Skinner box. I'm kind of surprised this is a more common term because oh, we really? use it all the time. But yeah, Skinner yeah. box is a game I mean, back me up on this one because I'm going with my own. There was a guy it, named but... Skinner. He's a scientist, and he would okay. put like pigeons in like a tank, and a button would give them food. And so he was trying to condition the pigeons to press the button a lot, basically, or it was some other bird. I don't know. Uh, so the, the idea was to condition them to press the button as much as possible, more or less. And he found that if he if it always rewarded them immediately, they'd actually just press it a few times till they got the food they wanted, and then they'd stop. But right. 
if you uh, made it so it had a random chance of maybe giving them food, they'd press it constantly all the time. Right. Which is right, like, that's that the entire failure. premise of like a slot machine. A slot machine is literally the most the most like bare bones obvious form of a Skinner's box in all of uh, like human life, basically. Because mm-hmm. it's literally mm-hmm. a box where you interact with a lever over and over again because there's a chance that you might get a profit from it. And mm-hmm. the, that random chance of a reward and that, that, that inconsistent feeling of maybe reward but also working and, and grinding and that they're sort of in, in unevenly and unpredictably split around leads to addictive behavior. And so it's actually mm-hmm. a psychological way of manipulating people into playing uh, video games more or gambling a lot and taking all their money, for example, because obviously ga- uh, gambling uh, casinos are gargantuan profit machines and video games lean really heavily mm-hmm. into the stuff. And if you play anything that's free to play, it's especially likely to go super deep into this. And you see this super heavily in Warframe and uh, Fortnite and stuff like that because on top of randomly selected rewards, like, say, booster packs and things like that, there's also elements of just, like, having so many progression systems at once that it feels like no matter what you do, something rewards you. And so you just keep playing right. blindly forever because, I don't know, you're making progress at something, maybe, and then you can just kind of keep going indefinitely, re- repeating the same no. task over and over again. You can do a lot of really crazy things, and, like, Fortnite does this as well. Where um, if you vary the strength of like the reward that you're getting um, and like if you get like really good things, but those are like really, really uncommon and you get um, but you just kind of get things in general like that makes it like a whole lot more addictive too. like the, and that's like, like the most how naked Skinner gathering box. works and stuff oh, yeah. like that. <laughs> <laughs> like the most naked yep, Skinner box in particular games. in Fortnite is yeah, the longest card games. Yep, because yeah, you hit a llama and you don't know what's going to be in it. But sometimes you hit a llama and it turns silver. Sometimes it turns gold, which has already happened twice for me. Uh, yep, I've had that. And then I got all the super loot, and now Wander wants the super loot, so he's playing even more, even right now during the podcast. <laughs> 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 and for context, uh, this is called an operant conditioning chamber. Is the full name? It was made by B.F. Skinner. That's the Skinner box, and yeah. it was like 1930s. So now mm-hmm. could this? Could this be applied to, like, say, in a game like World of Warcraft, there are some quest lines where, oh, you know, if you do this, this, and this, you're guaranteed to get this particular mount. But, oh, here you have to go on a raid and fight an end boss, and it might drop a mount, yes. but then are, only the, one person raids are gets it. the big it. Skinner boxes of WoW, and I've been down right. that right. rabbit hole of being, like, a full-time raider where it's, like, your job as a human being to be a raider. Like, you put it on yeah. your card, basically, because of how much time you put into it and your, how much it dictates your schedule. And, yeah, I've been through that whole thing of, like, we're going to keep downing Illidan over and over again because I need to get both of the war bla- the Warglaves of Asmoth on my rogue. And like, yeah, that's keep yeah fighting a raid boss for a two percent loot chance. Like that's that's Skinner box right there. Yep. Mm-hmm. And that's, yeah, you're that's, pressing that's, the lever. That's the entire basis of games like Warframe and Fortnite and stuff like that. And that's why, and it's it's mostly a way of getting people to play as lo- as long as possible and maybe incentivize them spending money on the game to help them beat the odds of the Skinner boxing because you get more booster packs or better booster packs if you buy them. But it's mm-hmm. also a way of stretching your content incredibly thin so you can get them to keep playing more without having to make more. Because mm-hmm. you make a lum- you make a relatively limited number of assets and just keep remixing them slightly. Or even just mm-hmm. have people say, hey, play this 100 times and maybe the thing will drop. And that's how you get people, that's how you get more time out of your limited uh, construction. Yep, like a, yep. a WoW raid and- is not a huge place, but they made them uh, time-consuming mm-hmm. things by making the bosses hard, obviously. But also by making it so, hey, you better play this 50 times. 
And then the other final component into how video games use Skinner boxes is like they a lot of games will hit you with give you a whole bunch of really good useful stuff at the very beginning and then slowly stop giving you those things over time, which mm-hmm. is what Fortnite does. Like we both everybody if you play it right now, you get 15 llamas. Yeah, they yeah. call you a it's believer a and they give you the believer bonus. You, yeah, yeah. you open 15 consecutive llamas and you get un, you get almost 100 loot mm-hmm. items and that's not remnant, yeah. that's not representative of the game. Right. And the, but the rest of the game isn't like that. So you uh but you're always tempted like, "Hey, if you drop $15 on the game, then you can get a hit like that again." And when a Skinnerbox very deliberately here. <laughs> when a Skinnerbox fails, that's how you get Pokémon Go. Yeah. When you start playing Pokémon Go, it's great at that. Because every around every corner is another Pokemon you haven't caught yet, but they have, mm-hmm. but they have the trouble of there being only 150 in the launch version. So like you're going to run out. But oh, they right. just so, added legendaries. Yeah, well, I, they've, I think they've also added the other 150 and, and stuff like that too mm-hmm. over time. But I mean, like yeah, at launch, late, like though. that's why it fell off so hard. Is that the yep. RNG of getting new exciting Pokemon fell fell off almost immediately after the first few days or weeks of playing the game? But also, when you're a low level character, you level up like. By catching like two things, like you mm-hmm. immediately level up, and leveling up gives you a big old boost of all these poke uh, pokeballs and potions, and eventually start getting great balls and master balls and stuff like that as you're leveling up. As you get to right. like, I don't know, level twenty or something like that, it becomes hard to level up, and that means that you can't get that giant booster pack of useful goods that make it so you can actually play the game by because you don't have pokeballs and stuff like that. So then you have to put the money into it. Yeah. So suddenly yeah. you're incentivized to either track down Pokestops, which is a huge problem if you're not living in a in a in a happening urban City. center that has a billion of <laughs> yeah. them. Like in my mm-hmm. place, there's one public park where I can go to a Poke, Poke Center, mm-hmm. and that then once every five minutes I can spin it to maybe get a Pokeball. I'm like, this sucks. Yeah, and I can't go anywhere else because there's nowhere else within a five minutes. Like the idea was supposed to be that you'd be walking and you'd hit a bunch of them on a, on a route, but if you're not mm-hmm. living in a place that has them, then you're just screwed. Uh, so then you're like, well, I don't have Pokeballs to play the game with so i can either invest money to play the game or you stop and that's why everyone stopped because the skinner box wore off on them and that pokemon like pokemon go just plummeted in those early days it's probably yep. still there probably has some big life like it is some big deal number of people I, and everything yeah. and it's probably profitable but that we, yeah that it's I mean, no longer like a 20 people outside the other day that was weird yeah, yeah. like it's still happening on some level but it's not at, at one point, it looked like it was going to be like a cultural landmark of some kind, <laughs> and that's very much yeah. past. It was almost going to revolutionize. It was almost going to be like Pokemon was, yeah, it was make when it first came out. Virtual <laughs> reality in reality, like <laughs> yep. that kind of thing where then, you, you sort of see through the lens of your phone at the real yeah. world, quote unquote. It, it struck on good ideas because, like. It did. Oh, yeah. It makes you look mm-hmm. at the world around you differently because you're looking at it through the lens of like how it affects like what type of Pokemon spawn or like like social gathering locations, and also it had you meeting people through the context of the game, and that stuff was interesting. But the game is so nothing, and once the Skinner box itself became painfully like skinny and cleared everybody, like it just mm-hmm. fell off immediately as a result. I mean, we ran into, I mean, I think we mentioned this the other night, but we ran into a bunch of adults standing around outside of our apartment. Yeah. And it was confusing because like, what's going on? Pokemon Go. They're going to break in. (laughs) But yeah, they were, they were all just 
chatting and hanging out and it looked like it was they're having a good time then like a mm. bunch of other people like drive up and like park in yeah, their people are driving lot. their cars over it's probably like what your street looked like when you had the dratini yeah. infestation and it actually was kind of charming because you, normally you don't have a whole lot of things that bring people together like that and i was like oh this is yeah. cool that was the coolest accidental discovery of that game was that yeah it was super social we would yeah, go to, yeah we, we would drive like a few miles to the park like four of us and there'd be like 30 people there all playing Pokemon mm-hmm. Go because that was a specific spot that had like five Pokestops in one spot and like two gyms. And so it's like it was a specific like yeah. meeting spot that facilitated that kind of stuff. The problem is the game is just so paper thin that yeah. you Can at some point you Pokemon have to be battles? playing it just to meet people. Not- you no. like just tap. It's not actually like a Yeah, the Pokemon they battles really are should yeah, make just it Pokemon battles. Screen. The other the other player doesn't actually like fight back. It's no. like a, you basically compare numbers. All yeah, all poker battles are at gyms, and the only gym all that happens in a gym is you you squat a Pokemon on a gym that just runs the gym, and other people yep. try to defeat it in large groups of people usually all at once, defi- fighting the AI of your of your character you left behind, and you're probably not even in the area at the time anymore. Yeah, it's real. It's, 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 it's as asynchronous as it could get. Uh, I do remember. See, I mean, it would have been I, cool if it worked like yeah. the real game. Yeah, I mean, it would have uh, been cool if it worked like the real game. People would have liked it a lot more. I, I mean, bet. At the very least, <laughs> oh, yeah. a more entertaining way to do it would be like, here's your four Pokemon moves. You have five seconds to pick a move for each yeah. round of combat or something because they wanted to make it so it happens in real time. But the real time could be like a timer on picking moves. As opposed right. to mm. tap, 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 tap. You have one move. You have one move mm-hmm. for tapping, and one move where you hold it for a second, and your super, and your 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 tougher like solar beam style thing comes out if for whatever uh. character you have. And those those were that, those were your only real inputs. You could try to dodge, but the game was a laggy piece of crap that barely functioned sometimes. So uh, good luck figuring out how to dodge things. <laughs> Aside from the levels of your Pokemon, did they factor type, or was type yep. irrelevant? Type was super yeah. relevant. That okay. was the t- type had more tactic put into it than actual combat because that was the pre-planning of like uh, looking at the lineup of the enemy's gym and trying to get a party lineup that could try to counter them is like that's the most in- like strategy that really went into the whole game unfortunately that was mm. just the main thing really but yeah it could have been really cool and it kind of just yeah. didn't end up I being that like, I feel like that's kind of the case for a lot of these Skinner Box games they've got this like really core concept but the, it gets overridden by how do we make money off of this? Like, yeah, um, right. Orcs must well, die unchained. I, I was, was talking pretty, about that. Yeah, yeah. I was pretty <laughs> down for orcs must die unchained, but ultimately it was a really shallow, uh, you know, orcs must die two kind of follow up that didn't really have any of the satisfying mechanics and was you know strung out so you could uh, so you'd have to grind away at the game or spend money on it so that you could. Uh, you know, so I you can like, get the cool characters. Is there... There must be some sort of correlation between, like, how reliant your game is on a Skinner box versus, like, how deep it is. Because yeah. I feel like it's really hard to Diablo point to a game games. that has a Skinner yeah. box aspect to it that has, like a, like, a really deep gameplay to it. You can't even really say that about Diablo. What do you do in Diablo? No, you click. Diablo is my example of how Skinner box is just, like... Like how this, a game, an RPG, can be Ooh, completely dependent that. on that mechanic above all else. Mm-hmm. Like Diablo is my example of what you're talking about, where like it's just, it's really just a Skinner box. Like, like get yeah. your fifteen thousand loot items. Wow, a giant vertical pillar of gold because this is a legendary drop, which is but there's but they happen constantly, so they're meaningless. And <laughs> go keep leveling up. 
play the same content until you're you're on nor like it used to be normal and then nightmare and then hell on the and two. Yep. But now in three they went past that and made a new system where now it's like it's torment one, torment two, torment three, torment four. Play seventeen difficulty levels. I'm like, this is so it's the same content I, looping forever. I will say I think the only Skinner box that I can think of off the top of my head that doesn't feel terribly predatory and is also kind of deep would be um, Path of Exile. And we've uh, never really gotten that yeah. far in it. We've never but gotten that far in it because I, I just, I don't like the world. Yeah. Unfortunately. I, mean, I, don't, it, it, I don't like the skill system. <laughs> I, I, I don't like item-based uh, character-built skills rather, things. I rather enjoy that. I rather enjoy the giant, like, insurmountable skill tree. It looks... Looks like it would be fun. Uh, I've just never been in a position where... Well, like, the insurmountable skill tree is not a skill tree. It's a passive tree. Yeah, I know. See, I actually... I really like passive trees in games. I'm like... I, 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 I don't like them at all. Because uh, 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 it's kind passes, of like a... Because passes where we're dealing with like the 17 types of upgrade systems that are in Fortnite, where it's like... It's a billion things that don't, that don't noticeably impact how you play the game. Because when you're playing mm -hmm. the game, you're playing the exact same game, but the background numbers have been manipulated by the trees you've been playing, and that's it. As opposed I, yeah. to, I like, guess... a tree where you get abilities that affect how you play the game and actually affect things beyond numbers. I guess I appreciate being able to fine-tune what I can do. I don't enjoy games where you're kind of locked into one build or one thing. That's one thing I kind of stopped liking about World of Warcraft, because it, it switched over to being kind of here are your attacks and it was cool but I, I didn't feel like i was building a character anymore the the skill tree got you know limited down and totally it, it like... down but even with games where you had a level of choice i remember when we were playing guild wars one together and i had my elementalist you instantly just like handed me the sheet of oh these are the eight abilities you want <laughs> farm them and get them <laughs> and it's like but but i wanted to try using this with this and this and i don't want to you know use monk as my secondary class i want like an elementalist ranger or something fun so i have a pet and it's like nope nope this is the meta and it's so like oh this was actually one of the secret geniuses of uh of diablo 2 specifically is that it had a really cool skill tree which is that you had a branching skill tree of like prerequisites and le and level gates and stuff like that as you would progress through the right. game of like getting towards different skills but once you locked into a particular skill you liked well, then you're like, what do I put points into now? Because I already maxed out that skill. But every single skill of the entire tree gave passive bonuses to to one or two other skills somewhere else in the, in the, on that character. Yeah, so that made mm -hmm. you that had game... a passive tree and skill tree simultaneously. Like, I made a Vengeance Paladin where it, every time you hit somebody, you would do, like, I think it was 70% bonus damage that in Lightning, Ice, and Fire simultaneously. And if you put points into the lightning, ice, and fire so, auras, they would pump up those damage numbers for that one yep. attack. As cool as that was, though, the game was always broken. Yeah, because they could never they could never get the synergies to balance. And like, even if you fire up Diablo two right now, there's like I would say probably about fifteen to eighteen builds that are they just never. They were it, it was like they were playing whack-a-mole with meta the builds problem, that basically. people could do. They they kept like whacking down one really overpowered, highly synergized skill, and then when they did that, another one would crop up in its place, and finally they just stopped supporting the game. And by that point, there's still like fifteen to twenty At just ridiculous builds that just they, they destroy the spirit of the game entirely. <laughs> 
at this point, that's such, such a consistent problem. I think either Blizzard doesn't know how to balance games, or they do it on purpose. It's mathematically not possible to balance it, most yeah. likely. But like that's that's just such the loop. Like if you watch anybody yeah. playing Overwatch nowadays, or a year ago, what playing Hearthstone, they never stop talking about the meta evolving and like. Like I, I sat down at for dinner for lunch at some point with two of my roommates, and they were talking about like face hunters in, in a Hearthstone, like because that was the that was the top build at the time that would just merc people and stuff like that, and like, but they just nerfed that thing, and another thing sprouts up, and that's like, I think that's just their cycle at this point. It's kind of the negative Im- impact that the meta has on on gaming and freedom think, in general. I think the only way that you can get like non-meta builds in a game is if you have classes with flavor text and different animations and stuff for an ability but they have an equivalent ability in every other class which uh, is it, so that there I aren't know. classes <laughs> there pretty much wouldn't be classes it would just be like flavor and like how you mix things around but yeah everyone would probably then deviate towards the same things that have the same abilities and then it's like oh well you I know I think at the same time uh, by keeping things fresh, it does keep people from stagnating into one thing. Yeah. Uh, Extra though I guess going back to that. this, going back to the Skinderbox talk, it also feeds into the Skinderbox because say your your like main character is no longer viable, your your Hearthstone deck isn't uh, you know top of the meta anymore. Suddenly you have to adjust, get a bu- whole bunch of new cards that do fit the meta, and then you can be winning again. Yeah. And it's kind of this uh, constant cycle. That, you know, keeps things feeling dynamic, but also keeps you buying or playing or blank. Mm-hmm. It's a, yeah, there's dark and bright sides of that where one, yeah, it stops, it helps make it so that you're not playing the same game literally forever. But it's also, you can do it on purpose to sap money from people in some really dark ways. Like, that's one, that's one of the things that we blatantly know at this point that, that Blizzard probably does for, like, World of Warcraft is like, oh, we're making the new Death Knight class, or we're making the new uh, oh, yeah. uh, Demon Hunter class. Um, Look how overpowered they are for like two weeks. <laughs> well, that's the uh, game that's, workshop thing. Yeah, that's yeah. yeah, that's wow. That's that's uh, League of Legends specifically. Like one of the devs actually was like, yeah, we do that. We make mm-hmm. them good for like a, a month or two, and then kind of nerf them down because I mean it's hard to bring in new 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 characters and classes because how do you fit that in but that also might sell like yeah. the game but if they really wanted to make money off of people they would have them starting at level one and then you'd have to buy boosts for them well they did with the monk class and like a bunch of things monk they had start at level one yeah i think actually mm. monk was the time in world of warcraft where they actually started selling level boosts and boy did a bunch of people buy that I think this is why i'm constantly drawn to offline single player games is because you have like true freedom like I just beat I just beat Zelda today, and like mm-hmm. I just played how I wanted to play all the time. Yep. Because like when you're when you're not in both a competitive and cooperative context, if you're playing with other people online, there's this there's this tendency towards optimum play that removes options from a game that's often supposed to be about options, and mm-hmm. it's like they can become a less positive experience. Like people play Dark Souls so many ways. <laughs> But people like a game like Hearthstone. If you're if you're trying to win, like the the there's such a like a specific list of optimum plays for like a Hearthstone or a Starcraft that like at some point people have names for all of those specific strategies because they're so familiar. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. unfortunate. Well, I bet it doesn't help that uh, you know with the internet and like live media and stuff, you get a lot of people that are actively like touting builds and stuff as opposed to yeah. 
they have whole sites dedicated for like spell builds and whatnot. Yeah. And I mean, it's yep. just just the accessibility of the internet. I've been playing. Uh, I've been playing Albion Online, uh, for better or worse, and <laughs> the game has uh, kind of an equipment based skill system. It, not mm-hmm. like uh, not exactly like Path of Exile, but so like if you have like a pair of metal boots on, they give you like certain movement skills and armor. Uh, you know, helmet gives you energy regeneration and healing, a couple other things. And so I've been like actively trying to uh, figure out what I want to do in the game. Uh, because there's so many options available to me. And I, w- I actually noticed somebody uh, specifically left a comment on like one of the first videos being like, okay, so you want to do this, this, and this. <laughs> and then 10 episodes later, his answer has changed so drastically. And he's like, why are you using my old build? You should have moved on to the new meta. And I'm like, this game's been out for two weeks. New meta? It's yeah, they weeks. haven't even patched it. It's just people have discovered this works better. <laughs> and I'm like just Gross. tootling around being like, do Gross. I want to use bows or do I want to use axes? Gross. Do I even like this game? I don't know. Do you know what another thing I, is I, too? Oh, and sorry. I, I just like I've been down the dark side of that too because I was a rogue class leader for a while raiding guild. So I was the one crushing people's dreams and being like, no, oh, yeah. this is the I attack was... rotation you use. And these are the gears you use. And you need to use damage over time because it's actually better than than the big number need damage that dots. catches your eyes. Yeah, Need dots. <laughs> that was the contradiction of rogues was like, oh, by the way, all the all the bleeds and poisons are actually where the, the DPS comes from. It's all, it, at least during Burning Crusade raiding, it was all about using... Uh, gr- it, mm. it was I think all it's gross, that way. Garotes ruptures deadly poison and slice and dice because making your character attack faster was better than doing finishers that actually did damage and stuff like that and like i'm glad i never arrived at a point where i have like skills from old video games memorized it's so not drop the name of them (laughs) world of warcraft taught me so many words and how to pronounce them about ruining people's bodies Yes, <laughs> like, a, like I learned garrote and eviscerate and stuff like that. Like me and my friends all used to call it eviscrate because we had never seen it before because we Evis-crate. were like we were like innocent children that didn't know about ripping people mm-hmm. apart. Oh, uh, but now I know that thanks to thanks to Blizzard. <laughs> I learned garrote from watching an old documentary on the druids of like the old Celtic traditions and the huh. the peat mummies. Did they do a lot of garrote. Yeah. yeah, and then uh, they, you know, throw them in tar pits, and then the tar pit mummies get found later on, and they have like clear evidence that they were garroted. Yeah. So before we move away from the Skinner box topic too much, I would like to say, like, as I, I think I said this when we were first starting Fortnite, but like, as a kid who is not allowed to buy games for the most part, mm-hmm. uh, because I already had enough, Skinner boxes were kind of my jam because yeah, it meant. Of course. Yeah, I actually had something to do. Like, you, you'd, uh, was... you would be so psyched if you, as a kid, was growing up now when those games that are Skinner boxes are also free now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, man, you could just like, give a kid a clicker game, and yeah, just, there's I'll, a whole I'll see you in kid, eight years. There's a whole generation <laughs> yeah. of kids now that exclusively play free games that are Skinner boxes, and then they watch Let's Plays to see other games, basically. Yeah, yeah. They just don't have money because no one has like, money because the world's fucked. Yay! <laughs> I spent like. I want to say three, four years playing RuneScape just because I simply, like, between my parents and, like, what money I had, because I wasn't old enough to, mm-hmm. ha- like, hold a job. And I had bought Tales of Symphonia, I think, when I was in, like, sixth grade or something like that. 
And it wasn't until eighth grade that my mother sat down and was like, okay, you can finally buy a new game. And I'm like, thank God. Just, you know, just been playing the same stuff for years. I, I'm Funny. like over-dramatizing it. It wasn't that bad. But like, mm-hmm. uh, for me, like right now, I churn through games like four games a week or something like that, which I mean, admittedly, I'm kind of an outlier because I do this for a living. Yeah. But um, there are also like, lots comes- of tiny indie games. Yeah, when it comes down to it, like, as a kid, I just didn't have that luxury. So it was either go play an old game that I've already beaten or have no interest in beating or play a Skinner box that actually provides endless content, even if it's kind of slow and ultimately mindless. It was a nice escape from replaying something that I had no interest in again. See, what you needed was a younger brother that's a huge pain in the ass whenever he's not entertained. I had a younger brother. (laughs) I had a younger brother that was perfectly happy play- replaying those games forever. <laughs> mm-hmm. It made it worse. It made it so much worse. I love my brother, but like, it was impossible for me to. Um, we did have a get bad new tendency. games because he just he just play the old ones, and I'd be like, no. My brother gotta- and I did. Ha- we had a bad tendency to just start games from scratch over and over again. Just for some reason, we just didn't like load ever. <laughs> and so, and like the best, so the as like by default, the best game ever was Symphony of the Night. Symphony of the Night's beginning is the end of a game. It's like the mm. end of a previous Castlevania game where Richter comes in and takes out Dracula in a boss fight. And then we have the big dramatic speech like, Die, monster, you don't belong in this world. So that's just broke, like, programmed in my brain now because we probably <laughs> played it. We probably played the beginning mm-hmm. of that game 20 times because it's the coolest, most fun beginning to a game ever because it's the ending of a game. <laughs> yeah, you get all... Because then after that, your shit gets taken from you. And you become Not even really that. Weak. After that, you no like you, you you're Richter and you defeat Dracula and the, right. the equivalent of the credits rolling happens. Then you switch and to Alucard as a different person. Right, and, he and goes Alucard is also really badass. He has amazing stuff, and then yeah. death takes it away. That's yeah, what I'm he gets, saying. He gets his powers taken away. But if yeah. you just play as Alucard, then it's just like a ten minute game that's awesome. <laughs> I mean, if you just play as Richter. Plays Richter. I mean, that's true. <laughs> and then if you play as Richter for the main game, then it, then surprisingly, Symphony of the Night turns into like a two-hour game because he's overpowered as shit. Yeah, well, Richter is like, oh, see that end of the screen? I'm just going to kick through the air and land there and then also kill everything that's in my way while yeah, doing no, so. Yeah, dive kick around the entire environment like magically while also you, every holy water you used could uh, cause holy water across the entire screen that killed everybody, mm-hmm. including bosses. <laughs> okay, so speaking of Skinner boxes... How can uh, how, how do people feel about Metroidvanias? It's actually, especially the game that you just mentioned, because that is like ostensibly a Castlevania game where every once in a while you'll hit a wall and I'll be like, "You need to go get the sword that does more damage." And it's like, does it do anything different? Nope. But so, otherwise, you won't be able to kill this thing unless you have it. <laughs> I I liked the Metroidvania at least in Metroid Prime, the, the trilogy there. Because it made sense. You approach a doorway and it's like, oh, this is an ice shield doorway. You're going to need the ice beam to go back through here. And then you face all of the enemies that require ice-related skills. And then then they might have a boss later on that features that item. But then you start getting into new content where there's a creature that switches between different types. And then you have to use all of your abilities. And I don't know. It. I think it's... It's fine. It it brings a pace. It brings like an aesthetic. That's I, why mm-hmm. you always have like the fire temple, the water temple, the 
the Forest Temple. I think Metroidvanias have really good established standards, and as a result, end up being generally a little bit higher quality-ish. At least the good mm-hmm. ones do. Like, Hollow Knight is still my favorite game of 2017, and probably will continue to be so just because... Even mm-hmm. if there are some like other awesome games coming out in the couple, I'm going to get more messages now. <laughs> oh, asking top because Hollow Knight's games. been mentioned again. Uh, <laughs> oh, you mean people asking you to play Hollow Knight? <laughs> yep, it's worth it, man. Like, I know, but there's it's so games. much better than there's Sundered. So many games. <laughs> so, uh, I I like it that there's like such a kind of clear defined formula. Uh, it's like the Souls like. Before Souls Likes were a thing, you know, you kind of had this like set. I mean, Souls Likes are just 3D came out with Metroidvanias, basically. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah, and that's kind of why I like them because you get this like really established set of rules. You know, generally fairly difficult, but not insurmountable. A lot of upgrades to keep things kind of cycling and fresh. Gated content, so you know you have to go here, but you got to find the thing first. It's like in in adventure games when you find the key. And you're like, oh, it's the key that opens this door so I can progress in this area. Yeah. Um, it's actually almost so you, eerie when you hear old critiques of people talking about what makes Castlevania games so great and how it's like the same shit people say now about Dark Souls games down to like yeah. having oh, like yeah. a careful evasion you can use to, to avoid things or how the whole world is interconnected in these cool ways or how you mm-hmm. when you attack when you begin an attack swing you're fully committed to that swing until the animation plays out so you gotta know when to attack and like it's like the same description. <laughs> yeah. But it, I mean, I guess specifically when I think of like um, Symphony of the Night, where you do play as Alucard, there are so Alucard. many times. There are so many times when it's just like you you reach something, and the only thing that's preventing you from going forward is you're too low level. Uh, you don't need to get better it, gear. You just need to get your strength point like ten points it's higher. True. I think it it's depends true and on the not game. True. So like, yeah. Symphony of the Night does have Skinner Box stuff built into it in that it does have randomized loot at times, both weapon loot and, like, the whole, like, weird monster soul system they started using. It was either in Symphony of the Night or it was R.I. of Sorrow or something where they started doing the monster soul random drops that you were either equipable as passives or would give you new skills you could use. But Mm -hmm. at the same time... It's a Skinner box that's kind of done right because it also adds to an extent this idea, like the modern Dark Souls idea that when people say like you make your own difficulty, like for Dark Souls, they're often talking about like how well do you like pre-grind to get a ton of health or do you summon friends and things like that. In Symphony of the Night and other other, uh, Castlevania games, you oftentimes could go through every single boss fights and stuff like that without taking hits. If you were like I, mm-hmm. really could get it down, so it was like, mm. do I want to keep trying this over and over again, or is my way of circumventing the difficulty instead of memorization to like farm? Like I had the experience when I last played Symphony of the Night, going through it again. I it was kicking my ass a few years ago, and so I I farmed in the library to to get the uh, was it Chrisa Grim, the really cool sword that has like a ghost trail and stuff like that because it was kicking my ass. But tons of people just go through without doing that. So it, it does have Skinner box elements, but that's but in the way that's more common for RPGs in general. But not, instead of being in a mm-hmm. manipulative way, it's a way of like giving you options for how you deal with challenges. Yeah. Uh, uh, okay. Yeah, I guess so I can like, see it that way. Specifically, this week Keith and I are playing Sundered, which is a Metroidvania with some kind of Souls-like roguelike mechanics, um, but also like really heavy RPG mechanics too. It's got a giant 
you know, Path of Exile, Final Fantasy X skill grid system. And I actually kind of like that, because if I hit a wall, I have a couple of options, which is keep throwing myself at it, or, you know, go off and maybe see if I can unlock a new node that'll help mm-hmm. me out. So I ran across a boss that specifically would just shoot a bunch of homing things at me. And it, it kicked my ass. And, like, I could kind of figure out how to dodge it and whatnot. But I eventually died, and I'm like, okay, I'm just going to go fight things for a bit, because there's an upgrade node, like, five away from me that lets me destroy projectiles whenever I swing my sword. And by getting that, I went back and just rolled over the boss because it was, you know, suddenly trivialized. Which, I mean, maybe is a sign of kind of bad, um, uh, like, slightly bad uh, balance. But at the same time, I like that because it gives me options. Um, but then I've got a whole, like, I got a whole bunch of cool uh, mechanics to mess around with. Like, uh, I, <laughs> I figured out, so you unlock double jump after the mm-hmm. first mini boss more or less and then after killing three more mini bosses you get the ability to upgrade one of your other abilities so you could get like an exploding shield or a beam cannon or something like that and so my uh uh my upgrade was specifically to turn the double jump into a double jump with a float at the end and then i figured out comboing with the wall climb later i can actually go wherever i want in the map now just by floating back to the wall that i jumped off of cuz you're supposed to jump back and forth between walls uh, and so I've been using that to cheese my entire way through, like, the ex- exploration side of things. <laughs> and it feels really good. Um, but I, and I guess, yeah, you Ca- go. Castlevania actually builds back into the previous conversation where we talk about how, like, taking an existing system and introducing a Skinner box, like, or reliance on Skinner box can make the game actively worse. Because, like, earlier we talked about Orcs Must Die, which is a game that, like, I love the first two games to the point where I played both of them to the point where I got five stars or five skulls on every single level of the entire campaign, (laughs) including the part where the second campaign recycled the campaign of the first one as a bonus campaign, and I'd re-five skulled it again using the second game's mechanics. Uh, Hmm. Because those were balanced games where you had a specific scenario with game enemies coming from here and there and having different waves at different points and specific sets of traps that are available to you that have known strength levels and specific rules and how everything works and so you it was like a puzzle to solve and that wasn't that was a cool gameplay thing to figure out but we played Orcs Must Die Unchained, and it was a Skinner box, so everything can get powerful over time, so everything sucks at the beginning, and you're if you don't beat something, it might be because you just need to grind for hundreds of hours, as opposed to thinking for a, of a better solution to the problem. And, like, a similar dilution happened with Castlevania, because Castlevania uh, Symphony of the Night was the first Metroidvania that they made in the, the Castlevania series. Before then, they were literally, like, go left to right and fight stuff. And at most, I think Castlevania 3 had branching storylines, but, it w- like, where you could take different paths like it's a Metal Slug game, but it wasn't a, met- uh, it wasn't yeah, a single it map. Branching. So Symphony of the Night was the first Metroidvania, and they made, like, they made, like, 20 Castlevania Metroidvanias or something ridiculous like that <laughs> if you take into account all of the freaking, like, DS games and Game Boy Advance games and stuff. But then, yeah. in 2010... Around the time that they were killing Castlevania and making it a 3D action war, like God of War game with and stuff with the uh, shadows of whatever it's called, uh, in 2010 they made Castlevania Harmony of Despair, and it was mm-hmm. a like greatest hits remix thing where you could play as the protagonists of like the last ten Castlevania games and play through levels that had fe- assets from the last ten games and bosses from the last ten games or whatever. Like, it was a remix of all of the wanna Metroidvania know, games. Wanna know how I know that a Castlevania game is not for me? What? It's literally based on how anime the box art is. 
They're pretty <laughs> anime. The more anime the Castlevania <laughs> box art is, the less I know I'm going to enjoy it. Did, did you just Google <laughs> Harmony of Despair or something? I did Google Harmony of Where Despair. It has, the, and... uh, it has Alucard. It actually has the three of the best protagonists. It has the Order of Ecclesia protagonist, the girl in the back. It has Alucard yes. from Symphony of the Night. And then it has Soma, which was the protagonist of all of the best Game Boy Advance games. Uh... And uh, that's where the that's apparently where the Monster Soul stuff came in. I talked about earlier, uh, but this you. game Bless. is a Skinner box. <laughs> so <laughs> this game, would, while charming in that it it wears the face of all the uh, all the Castlevania visuals because it literally uses visuals from all the different Castlevania games all the way down to letting you play as like eight bit Richter and stuff like that. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a bunch of assets clumped together in semi in like semi randomized order. And you're supposed to play it over and over and over and over again, these relatively short levels, with your friends, because everything's better with co-op, as you grind bosses for random chances of loot. And the exact same experiences that happened with Fortnite with us happened with me when I was playing it with my friends uh, seven years ago, which is that, like, I, I didn't even understand the loot tables yet, and I came in for one round, and I got a super great sword that nobody else had been able to get yet that they were actively farming for, and everyone's all jealous of my sword, so now they're going to go play that same level ten more times, and, like... That was the Skinner yeah. Bucks. And then, like, it is a fun game, but it is such, like, not the reason why people care about Castlevania. And it doesn't have the legs because, like, it's not, it doesn't even have, like, a. Each level you beat in, like, 20 minutes or something like that. And there was, like, a total of, like, five of them at launch. And I think they added three more via DLC over time. So it's, like, hmm. at, at most, it's, like, in the ballpark of, like, four hours of content that they expect you to play for, like, dozens or hundreds of hours. And that's. That's the horrifying reality of Skinner Box. Like, in like, if Orcs Must Die Unchained was just a campaign I could play through, I probably would have yeah. played through it twice already and tried to get five skulls on everything. But I can't right. just play oh, yeah, through I it because down. I have to grind to unlock the right to play these watered-down-ass levels that aren't really that good to begin with. And that's yeah. The, yeah, this I, is why Skinner Box keep sucks. keep doing it over and over and over again. It sucks. My other grump with... Uh, Unchained specifically. I, I don't they know if I said this. They never us. Yeah, well, there's that. I, I should send them that oh. angry email. Yeah. Yeah. We were supposed to... I, uh, I, Wander was picked up to do sponsored content for <laughs> Unchained, and they never paid him. Yeah, they're oh, like, boy. okay, give us your a- address so we can send you the check, and I had. Then they're like, okay, cool. We need you to promote this on Twitter some more. And I was like, I'll put up some vapid tweets, I guess, but like, put I don't have a Twitter audience. Tweets. Dude, you didn't say vapid. No, I didn't. Like, I was, I was trying to like be campy. It, like, do you guys ever watch like YouTubers uh, sponsored content? Uh, it's uh, painful. You mean yeah, you mean, you mean when JonTron lost his soul? Yeah, well that. I mean, we like, had our short stint with Luke Crate for a while. Yeah, I was I was looking at his channel. He hasn't put out a video in like months. No, but um. Like, That's okay. It's been over I, seven I months. I like to watch Funhouse, but they've been doing more sponsored content lately. I mean, they've always kind of done sponsored content, but like it yeah. feels like extra mm-hmm. prevalent now. I don't know exactly if half their stuff is is sponsored, but it's just like I just I just I don't know. It's it's hard to watch like a YouTuber do sponsored content because it's just like the flavor changes. It, you suddenly go from like restaurant quality ramen to like it also depends on where in the video it is too because i've seen some people where they have it as like a tail thing at the very end and that's not too intrusive well yeah but Mm -hmm. when it's like at the very beginning or midway through or they just happen to be 
drinking a monster and they're like, oh, look, <laughs> I'm having monster. Yeah. If you want to see like, some of the hardest many... to watch sponsored content, you watch uh, Achievement Hunter play any MOBA. Yeah, they play yeah. a MOBA, it's because somebody hired them to do it. Mm-hmm. And so they'll be playing a normal match. And they have no idea how to play the game because they don't know what a single button does. They're completely baffled by the video game inherently because they're only going to make the one video and then never look at it again. But then mm-hmm. out of nowhere, in the middle of the video, either Gavin or usually Jack will just start listing features of the game out of nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> like they're reading from a card. It's so... They are. <laughs> it's like I, I can't watch it. Like it's not even well, remotely how, entertaining. How many big YouTuber like... Think of your favorite favorite videos by like all your all the big YouTubers. How many of those videos were made within the first like ten minutes of them playing the game? Incredibly few of them. Maybe there's a couple of one-offs, but those are usually really funny because the game is so shitty. Yeah, the, the, they're, they're usually like pick the game inherently for that purpose. Right, but but if it's a good game, invariably the gold is going to come like a little bit later in the series yeah. when they're more comfortable with it. Like one of my so, favorite videos ever was my let's try with Andrew of uh, the secret of the magic crystals. Yeah, well that game sucks. But we knew what we were doing there, <laughs> like, like why we yeah. picked that. Yeah, but like every other like one of my favorite videos is usually from like episode not one, that's for sure. So they're like put in this situation where they have to. Within the, f- they have to like yeah. s- reach that goal because that's what they're getting paid be funny. to do. Just do it, just be funny. Is like, like that level of like, yeah, this is gonna be great. Uh, within like in a tutorial yeah. for a video game, and it's they like, just, it's not possible. And then they they force it, and it's really painful. It's impossible to watch, in my like, opinion. Like the game grumps, what is this? Could have never happened in part one of Sonic 06. Yep. No, it had to be a slow dev- devolution over the course of a campaign of like I can't. I, how admittedly we've reached we depth like, here. <laughs> we like stumbled upon slow force within. <laughs> I want to say like couple seconds. That was we magic. Had play- we had owned the game for like a year before we did that though. That but, was like yeah, an inherently yeah, strange. That was like just an inherently strange bug though. Yeah, it was such a good one. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, so uh, I want to talk. Can I talk about Sundered seeing as bugs? Okay, sure. go for it. So, uh, I've been playing Sundered, and it's a new game, and it's kind of buggy. So, specifically, it, it gives you the cannon. Have you found the cannon yet, Keith, or nah? I've only beaten the first mid-boss. Okay, so you get a cannon I, later I on. I played for two hours, days before it came out, and not yet since, because it hasn't been necessary okay. for the schedule. Understandable. you probably so played, I, uh, like, have you played 20 hours yet already? I just assume. I put in nine. Holy um, shit. I, well, I streamed it for so because I stream content. It was yeah. one of those where it's like I kind of have to stream this. Yeah, well, I have to stream the like a bunch of this, otherwise nobody's gonna want to watch it. So uh, the night before it came out, and then the night after, I uh, I specifically just streamed a ton of it, and uh, I mean it's fun. But so I got the cannon, and it like kind of whenever you get an ability, you, you the character like you lose control of them for a second. And they run off to like show you how a thing is done so i've got this cannon now and it and it has the character run over and open a switch by firing the cannon into it and it's like okay cool so that's how it works the thing is while you're doing this like little uh tutorial bit it actually uh kind of unloads assets so no enemies can spawn to bother you and like nothing can quote unquote happen while it's while this is going on so apparently, uh, it bugged out. So it actually, uh, nothing ever loaded past that point. 
including the rest of the level, any enemies or <laughs> oh, uh, boy. anything. So like I destroyed a crate and all of the uh, all of the shards, the money in the game went flying upwards at high speeds and I'm like um <laughs> this is concerning and I like go destroy some more things and it just continues to break harder up until I kind of leave the general area at which point I'm just met with a black void <laughs> this is actually on my Twitter uh right now here I'll uh I'm going to go I'm going to go get this screenshot so I can uh at least throw it in the podcast chat and it can show into the into the uh in the into the podcast for this but effectively what ended up happening is I just leaped off and just to see what was out there and you fall forever and at first it's like this black void and then it's green void and then I found out you could do some like crazy stuff but like trying to roll and move and stuff like that mm-hmm. um just gonna toss a ton in so you guys can see this journey <laughs> uh apparently it's not in order because discord is kind of weird and garbage uh, <laughs> oh, man, like, what the hell? That's wander in a green void, apparently. Yeah, it's, it's okay. me in a green void, but if I'd fire the cannon, I'd like fling off into the sunset and all sorts of weird shit like that. And if the audience is not seeing this, it really is just the interface of Sundered and then just a dark green screen with a, his yeah. character standing in it or falling in it. Yeah, falling yeah. perpetually. But uh, it was it was kind of fun to watch and interact with and stuff. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I, I tweeted to the developers and I'm like, help. You know what to, and they're like, "I blame large crate." <laughs> I like, I like it when developers actually respond, like what on Twitter. It's satisfying. Wait, what did you do? Yeah, so large crate was the thing. Uh, there's a, a dead HP bar at the top, and large crate is the uh... <laughs> was the object that you perpetually yeah. on the top of the screen of like the last defeated enemy. Yeah, I, and, I don't know. That was really and char- the world. That was, that was really charming. I liked that. I think it bugged out about something else the other day, but I don't remember. I had, a, I had a pretty similar experience recently because I was I was wrapping up Morrowind, and I beat mm-hmm. the Blood Moon expansion, and you get the Ring of Her scene, which if you put it on, turns you into a werewolf just whenever you want, basically, and huh. you'll and you'll stay as a werewolf for the next six hours. At which point, you will wake up naked somewhere. Uh, I did it when I was doing a dungeon dive where my goal was to go get an item and that was it. And so I knew that no one was going to be down there that would freak out about seeing me as a werewolf. Other logistic questions arise about how how like a cat person turns into a werewolf in the first place. But, uh, oh, you're playing Kaji? Oh, I have... My character has maxed out strength, maxed out speed, maxed out agility, like 100, 100, 100 all the way across the board. And the werewolf, I think, just increases your stats even more. And so when I turn into werewolf mode, I was moving impossibly fast like agonizingly unplayably fast and if you and, I, and if I was jumping if I started jumping around in these caverns it looked like those old those videos you would see of people like skating like those speed runs of Half-Life 1 where it looks like they're like like skiing through the yeah. game like it's tribes I could do that mm-hmm. in Morrowind at that point but the game's not ready for it so if I if you collide with the ceiling in certain locations there isn't really hitboxes set up so you'll just leave the level and so yeah, for whatever yeah. reason they did yeah. not test being able to move at max speed in no. Morrowind or well, also, in Oblivion. So yeah, I fell out of the hitboxes right at all. So I, I fell out I, of the environments and landed in the water level. And I'm just doing this adorable dog paddle outside the level <laughs> in the infinite <laughs> void of water, trying to swim back into the inbounds to try to find a way into the mm-hmm. environment again. They animated <laughs> a dog that, paddle like, for your your dumb werewolf form. It's great. You remember the the starting town? If you go like I want to say a little bit to the southeast, there's like a along the coast or something like that. There's almost immediately like a uh, a cave with bandits in it. 
And I think that's like where I got a great sword. Maybe it's been years. So I only have like half the memories for this. But I remember walking into that cave and immediately slipping through the ground and descending into water, waterland <laughs> and having to start over because I hadn't saved yet because oh, I just no. started the game. That was my intro to Morrowind. Oh, no. It was, nice. It was, it was great, but it was also painful-ish. <laughs> I think one of my favorite uh, Oblivion cheats slash glitches was uh, I got really good at jumping. Uh, with the character way before I actually did any arena stuff with the character. This is like my fifth or sixth character. So my character was really good at jumping. I entered the arena for the first time on them, which is something you're supposed to do at like level one. To It's a good way to like teach yourself how to play the game, basically. But I went in at like level, I don't know, pretty high. And um, I found out that you can jump into the stands of the arena <laughs> And and it's totally fine. And then the enemies will just too. the the enemies will just come to the edge of the arena and just like look at you with their angry NPC face and be like, <laughs> "Why won't you die?" I had and this. then you just hit them with magic spells from the arena stands. <laughs> I had the same thing happen in Morrowind where uh, you're supposed to get everyone to take you on as being the Nerevarina or the Hortator, and they're supposed to all respect you and gain the like. Supposed to gain mm-hmm. like the allegiance of the entire world, essentially all the primary factions. And there's always like, yeah, of each group, there's always like one dude's like, "No, I'm gonna fight you" or something like that. And so he right. challenges me to an honorable duel at the uh, at the Verma at the uh, whatever the not Vermeer. It's a completely wrong game. Uh, they yeah. challenge you to a duel at uh, <laughs> I can't remember the capital city's uh, arena. I can't believe I'm forgetting this now. I just finished the game yesterday. Uh, but I arrive in the audience floor instead of the ground floor because I didn't know how to get there really. And I'm in the audience and he's down there and he's already hostile. The, pl- the music's playing and everything. I'm like, I guess I'll just shoot him. I just shot him to death with bows <laughs> while he's sitting there in the arena and the game the game didn't treat me like I did anything wrong. I'm like, well, okay then. There we go. I'm a monster. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I remember uh, my one friend had figured out a kind of like cheat code that you're, you could put into Jedi Knight Jedi Academy to boost all of your skill levels oh, up to max. that game was broken. <laughs> and the funny thing was, yeah, um, if you did that, you could like jump around the environment, see things that you weren't supposed to see. It was awesome. But the problem was part of the like progression of the game was that you had a choice of four or five different missions per like system and you could you could complete three or four of them before proceeding to the next section. Uh-huh. So if you're a completionist, you would want to complete all all of the ones available to you in a certain tier so that you can get as many points into your powers as you can. But the problem is at the end of every quest you choose one of these powers or maybe it's the beginning, I forget. Uh but if you because you if you use this code, you would boost up to max. You couldn't do that therefore you couldn't play through the game. Uh, if you enabled that cheat. So it was only one of those things, if you really wanted to cheat through it, you could do at the very last levels where you didn't have to worry about choosing the next star system you'd go to. But it was hilarious when Sith would get caught in the wall and you could just hear them (laughs) and you couldn't actually kill them and they'd be like, it's a Jedi! It's a Jedi! (laughs) They're just really mad about something over there. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I remember in Oblivion, I once um, enchanted all of my pieces of armor with 20% chameleon. And 
what that does is if you get to 99 chameleon, um, it does nothing. Uh, oh. the, the, it, so chameleon like is the thing overflow. that makes you partially, it makes you partially invisible. And if you have like 99 chameleon in oblivion, um, people will just see you. Like it, it, it just like, doesn't it, work. If you get a hundred chameleon, you can punch people in the face and they won't react. Wait, so does <laughs> they won't be able to detect you? <laughs> Are you saying like it literally like it doesn't work all the way up to ninety nine chameleon? Is what you it, mean? It basically or does I don't it reset? Know if it was bugged out for me, but like if you get to if you get to ninety nine chameleon, it's like you have zero chameleon. It does nothing for Jesus. you. If you get to one hundred, it like flips a switch. And you are like basically a god because yeah. nobody will ever fight back because they can't ever, uh, you can't draw, you literally can't draw aggro on yourself. Nobody will ever actually try to hit, t- try to fight you. It's been really um, interesting playing older, just various Bethesda games and realizing like every single one of these games ships broken and never gets fixed. And they just stay broken forever. Yep. And then they release expansions uh, you for the guys... broken game that also don't address how broken the game is. And it's just like, <laughs> I guess people just want that because they keep doing great. But like, like Keith, how, how many of these games have had like broken sneak mechanics and stuff like that? And Keith, just... did you, you beat all of Fallout 4, yeah? I beat the main story and then I didn't have any interest in coming back for the DLC oh, yeah. as they came Understandable. out. Understandable. The DLC was garbage. Uh, People said that Far Harbor was supposed to be better than the main campaign story, well, but okay, like, the so main Far, campaign Far story Harbor was such a low was good. bar. Far Harbor was the only thing good about it. Nuka, Nuka World had some interesting ideas, and then they went back in, uh, and were like, hey, remember settlements? Remember how much you loved those? Okay, so yeah. you're going to need to do... You, you're going to need to go attack your own settlements that you already own so that you can uh, complete Nuka World. And I was like, this is yeah, but they, they put out a, they put out an expansion nice. that basically was only really content if you were if you're playing a bad guy, and if yeah. your character wasn't really a bad guy, then it was like non-content for, for yeah. Like half effectively, of what it, it was just one giant con- combat area where you murder a bunch of raiders, and then that's just the end of it. Yeah, you go to one area really and decide between factions basically, and then that's it. Yeah, because you can't go yeah. back and turn everyone into raider encampments unless you're somebody who would do that. Otherwise, that's just there's no there's no substitute if you're playing a different type of character that wouldn't do that. Mm-hmm. But know how you know how like if you go into Boston, your frame rate would tank, or did you not really have that problem? I don't really remember frame rate problems in the game. I, I had, had frame rate awful. problems. Yeah, they were bad. So I uh, writing problems. <laughs> so the <laughs> the issue would bad. be like. If you were playing on high graphics, you'd have to turn it down to like low or normal just to be able to um just to be able to uh play. Like, Somebody's yeah, concentrating play on the Boston. fact that there's a giant horde of zombies in front of them right now in Fortnite. And, and yeah. Uh <laughs> you're like calling like, airstrikes trying to form sentences. <laughs> yeah, it was it was kind of impossible, honestly, to like uh to play in a lot of cases, because it's like here is uh Here's this like area that you want to go into because it's super enemy dense. The moment you get there and everything just starts chugging. Like I, I was uh, trying to do a live stream one day and people are like, go to Boston. I'm like, okay. I get to Boston and the game goes down to five FPS. And I'm like, this is what happens when I haven't tested my mods in Boston yet. Because <laughs> like I had one that uh, changed everything into this really nice winter wonderland, which was really cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there was... There was no, like, uh, there's no patches. There's no addressing just how mm-hmm. awful. 
Yes. What's so, up? did you mention something about how you had to fight your own bases, the, the ones that oh, you had yeah, spent time it's... building? Yeah, so the uh so the DLC Nuka World uh was the last DLC. Okay. For um it was the last DLC for Fallout 4. And the point is, like, uh, you know, there have been these raider factions this, this entire game. And so the, the base part of the game, the entire point of it is you're supposed to be, you know, building the, the Commonwealth back up and, like, building towns and kind of making the place livable again. Mm-hmm. Nuka World is like, hey, you know all those raiders? Well, you can be their boss now. Um, and so the, uh, the prequel to me playing Nuka World was... Uh, my pseudo challenge called King of the Wasteland, where I decided to take every single settlement and build it up. And like, I will admit, I kind of gave up because it was such a tall task that I only really built up the important ones. Mm-hmm. Um, and the rest, I just did like a nominal effort, but I mostly just captured all of them, which was actually kind of a long process. That thing actually feeds um, back into the previous conversation about stretching your content thin via Skinner box yes. mechanics. Oh yeah. Like Morrowind so, uh, is a specifically crafted experience with like dungeons with placed enemies and quests and everything, and Fallout Four is often like quests that are just like eh, go to that building over there, and they don't say what's yeah. in it because well, they don't know ra- because the contents are randomized. Quests. Yeah, they actually uh, threw in procedural generation and like we're hyping it up as radiant quests, and, which like, is why Fallout Four was so boring. Like yeah, every building was... was like, will this one have machines or will it have zombies or will it have raiders in it? Who knows? Yeah, but the whole like well, build up I for my, my question. Well, I I understand. So you had to face your own bases. Well, right? yeah. So to progress in Nuka World, you actually have to go attack several settlements and destroy them, and replace them with raiders who then attack your other settlements, uh, which is infuriating if you already own all of them. There's no like, oh, <laughs> you mean you you already own these places? Like we probably uh-huh. should like force you to go after your own yeah. base. Yeah. No, it's just like. Uh, go wipe them off the map, or uh, or you can't progress Nuka World at all. And it's like, you mean nobody thought that somebody would have every single settlement already? Like, that somehow did not no, cross somebody's mind at Bethesda. No, they probably they, did, yeah. It came and up they and just their decision was, oh well. Fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> so that, well, that if you decide to, to turn larger... Raider, then you're terrible, right? <laughs> well, that, in any that, case, though... I mean... Oh. That just that speaks to a larger writing problem that all of Fallout 4 has, which is as you progress through the story, it asks you to take charge of an entire faction at some point, be it the mm-hmm. uh the was it the Watchmen, uh the Railroad Minutemen, the not Brotherhood the of Steel, yeah, Minutemen. Or mm-hmm. the uh the I don't know, the underground scientist people. And in this case now Nuka World. Yeah. So they give you like five different factions, but guess what? If you become their leader, you secretly become their lackey because you can't actually lead them in any meaningful way. All you can do is exactly <laughs> do the thing they tell you to do. So by yeah, becoming least, the uh, leader of their group, you actually become like the personal slave of literally all of them as they tell you what your tasks are. That was one thing I kind of liked about Oblivion, where when you became like the guild master or whatever, um, it, they, you stopped getting quests. And yes. it was just like, you just get bonuses. Yeah, that uh, happened in, in Morrowind. I became the leader of the Thieves Guild, and now it's like, I have these series of tools that I, yeah. I, I, I go to with the Thieves Guild people, and they do they will perform tasks for me, such as wipe out right. my wanted level, or like or in Oblivion, it was like fencing your... It was uh, like laundering your money and goods. stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Like that, yeah, but- that, that. That's you being the leader of a faction. 
Right. Yeah. Part of my question, though, is how many games actually force you to face the things that you've been upgrading all this time? I know that Wander said that his one friend in a Final Fantasy game oh, upgraded yeah. all of his... Did you guys ever play um, oh, through Final Fantasy X to the end? Yeah, I, no. I know what you're talking about where like you have to one of your characters you have to like fight them, right? Well, in Final Fantasy X at the very end, you're facing off against you Titus's fight against dad. summons. Yeah. And Ti- yeah. Titus's dad is like, fuck you, I'm taking your summons. No. They're mine now. You have to fight them. And my friend mm-hmm. has managed to make it through the entire game relying entirely on the summons. Suddenly it's he like you really should have hired Yoshinbo back there. <laughs> yeah. Uh and so uh, he specifically like refused to level up anybody. He just kind of kept the main cast weak because the summons were so badass, which is totally understandable. He just wanted to be the ultimate summoner, like, right? The yeah. rest of the character, I mean, the the party was cool and they had some great attacks, but like, let's be honest, Ifrit, you know, blows them all out of the water. Summoning is cool. Yeah, summoning is cool. So you get to, he got to the very end of the game. I was sleeping over at his place. I was playing Final Fantasy Tactics on the ta- Tactics on the couch, and I hear. Son of a bitch, and then the sound of a controller destroying itself against a wall. Ah. And look ah. over as the very first summon that you ever get in the game, the the Ifrit, the bird. No, the bird oh, thing. Oh, wasn't whatever Ifrit, its right. name is. Yeah, she starts off with the bird. Yeah, self or something. Um, I don't remember. I, I believe that's that's what Aska. happens. But I think you had to f- face off against that one first. Yeah, and, and to fight them in the order that it you was, get them. It in. was like Valifor. max level. Yeah, Valifor. It was like max level oh. or something insane like that. And so as a result, it one-shot the entire party. <laughs> yeah. Welp. And he couldn't he, beat the game. He couldn't beat the game. He would have either had to sit around and grind and he I, I don't know why. He, he could have grinded. I think like, there, I think you like, could have actually fought stuff. You're locked in at that point in the game. There's a there are some things you fight, but you can never like leave that zone. Yeah, if I yeah, remember correctly, I think I think it was one of those where oh right, he couldn't get enough healing items to keep himself there to grind because right, you know normally you can go back and like buy healing items or rest oh, somewhere. I think no, but at that at that point in the game, you can't leave that that you can't go back to any towns. Yeah, Bellafor is the weird I, I, bird that has boobs. <laughs> Really? Yeah. Why does a bird have boobs? They don't. They're not. You're yeah, not a it mammal. was always that was really uncomfortable as a thirteen-year-old. Anyway. Yeah, and aren't there other games where, like, let's go say, I don't know if it was in a Bioware game where you have a member of your party for a long time, but then they turn on you and you have to fight them. So depending on whether or not they were yeah. one of your favorites, there are a num- there are a number of Bioware games where if certain neutral-ish characters in your party don't become friends enough with you, they'll turn on you at some point and you'll fight them, like Zevron. Uh huh. Uh, Prey mm-hmm. uh, lets you become best buddies with turrets, and then maybe they can turn on you over time because you stop being recognized as human if you make certain decisions, and they'll you're fortified, carefully placed in uh, mechanical and in- in- encampments you've put around will start shooting you. <laughs> <laughs> like there's, a, there's a number of games that do interesting stuff with that mechanic usually, but hopefully you're subverting but. something in some interesting way and not just mindlessly doing it because otherwise it's not interesting. Like Final Fantasy X sets the idea up because you're trying to figure out like the last summon and then you find out the dark secret of the last summon and you know Leska and all these other things and then over time you're like, I shouldn't be entirely buying into the system and then the game's like, you really shouldn't have been buying into the system when the ending happens yep. and they take all your summons <laughs> away and fight you with them. <laughs> yep. 
But so he played through the game a second time and never used his summons except for when he was absolutely required to. <laughs> and so I was sleeping over the at final his, boss. <laughs> I, I was I was I was sleeping over at his house again, and he just wrecked him with like a max level Titus or something ridiculous <laughs> like that because he also got the limit break sword, bunch of other stuff. So like when That's it finally came time to fight, really likes Final Fantasy X. <laughs> he really likes Final, like Final Fantasy X. And then the next morning was his birthday, so he had gotten Final Fantasy X too. And yes! Then turned, oh! and, then he, and then he turned into a tidal wave. He never saw him again. Well, <laughs> actually, I think he played a grand total of the first, like, kind of mountain level uh, against, effectively, Team Rocket. And then yeah. he shut it off, handed me the game, and he said, this is yours now. <laughs> and I was like, what am I supposed to do with this? And then I bought a <laughs> PS2 and beat it twice. <laughs> I really liked X2. <laughs> also liked known as Final X Fantasy Charlie's Angels. <laughs> Yeah, it, yeah. It, yeah. X2, X2 made me feel weird. I could never play it because I was like, my parents are going to like come by and be like, what's you playing, son? And I'm going to be but like... you're playing female characters uh, all the time now. But then well, two yeah, games later, they, they were into the role. The trick is that two days later, <laughs> two games later, they just made X2 again called Call of 13. Yeah. yeah. That was a game yeah. where everyone had a specific class and you'd switch between classes as the being the main tactic of how you played fights. And like that was that was the same system. That was the dress sphere system from from ten two. You reuse in thirteen, where like most of the game wasn't picking skills, but actually just auto battling while having right. like while making configurations of squads. Where like this is the one where that person goes in tank mode, and those people do DPS. And this is the one where we all we all we all hunker down. Oh and yeah, you could like spams program heals. them. Yeah, you yeah, could also yeah. reprogram configurations of classes so they'd all switch simultaneously into configurations. Apparently, you can do that in the. Uh, you can actually huh. do that in the uh, the kind of remake re-release of 12 which is huh. neat neat yeah i don't I really want to play that. that about 12 at all though uh, it 12 was honestly maybe the last of the quote-unquote good ones <laughs> before we, uh, before lightning just turned into this like black hole that consumes the name in the franchise yeah <laughs> started having, like, like modeling it, gigs and, and like was used in magazines as like star models and to advertise like hairsprays and bullshit and was put wait, on billboards really? everywhere yeah. oh yeah was they did somebody, some made, stuff. somebody made a clothing line that was advertised by lightning yeah it's it yeah. was it was way out of control the, the character was more popular than the franchise and what's stupid because she's not even a character she's a I fucking mean, character design She's a you're, screenshot. That's her whole personality. <laughs> she you're also sucks. talking about Japan here. I mean, haven't Vocaloids done a lot of product placement? Yeah, but no, these that? are these are product lines advertised in Western countries by Lightning. Like they were uh, actively trying to like lean on the Final Fantasy uh, brand for was it Western Gucci products. or something? Yeah, it was bizarre. L uh, it's Louis v Vuitton. Is that the name? Yeah, Louis yes. Vuitton. Yeah, Louis Vuitton, <laughs> Series Four, and I'm looking at Lightning, dressed in like a pink shirt and like a some checkered pants or something, and she's got a purse, and she's here with Sarah, her dot, her sister, and like they're just dancing around and advertising real clothes. I put it in the chat so you guys what can see that. What the hell is this? Oh that's, man, that's I need a real to show commercial you because Lightning was out of control, the, uh, and she Japanese... sucks. She's such a shitty character. She sucks <laughs> so hard. Wasn't she like just basically a placeholder character, and then she is she became blank. a thing. <laughs> she is she's in in the majority in all throughout thirteen. She either isn't a character or she's a bitch for no reason to everyone around her. She's so insufferable. The only character I could even take in that game was Saz because he actually had something to lose and something to care about because he had a, I think part a of child it was, that was at risk. 
Most of the female characters that they had before were sort of like the young, beautiful, wistful one or the bubbly-like kind of people. So, so I, they, they couldn't make them good. So they made them have no personality. <laughs> yeah. Well, I thought they were trying to go for the whole like, you know, oh, she's going to be badass or something. No, she has But then nothing. it comes off as, eh. It's like they didn't finish writing her well, and then they were like, the oh, shit, like, we were supposed to cut her from okay. the game. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> Spoilers time. So by the time you actually make it to the, the sequels, uh, the third game, she actively like has no personality. They deleted her emotions. <laughs> Yeah, the wait. It was part of the plot. Yeah, it's she's part of the, the plot. She's the main that, character like, of a trilogy, but in the second game, she's gone because she's in Valhalla for the entire game. So you play as her almost carbon copy sister instead. Try and they're trying to hype up her absence. Then in the third game, she comes back and she's a super deity trying to save the world and shepherd people into a different existence while having no personality because uh, it was deleted from her so she could serve her purpose. <laughs> so uh, she's like a, she's just a purpose. vessel. To sell Louis Vuitton bags. But the secret was she never had a personality because she's one of the most boring characters conceived <laughs> by a JRPG in the history of video games. And she's also the most popular JRPG protagonist in the history of video games. Hooray! Yep. We suck. <laughs> Everyone sucks. Yep. You did yep. this. You all did this. <laughs> huh? It's your fault. You sound like John Oliver right now. <laughs> he does. <laughs> so let's talk about games we like. Final Fantasy XIII made me mad. <laughs> Let's talk about games we like. It's the opposite of how I felt about Final Fantasy XII, which is a gloriously well, stupid. I mean, I mean, ten two, ten two. I mean, ten two is no, so. No, no, no. It's, we, not, it's not question time. We've it's only, not question time yet. Let's let's do like one 15, more. Like twenty minutes. Seriously, ten two yeah. is the most beautifully stupid game ever. <laughs> it opens at a concert. What the fuck? <laughs> I didn't have that many video games growing up. Sniffle. So already a topic from a long time ago. I, like it's all relegated to the Nintendo sixty four Wii and a couple <laughs> PC titles. I mean, at this point you can't you can't play the like beleaguered I didn't don't get games because at this point you're like now you're inundated you're with good games. games. Yeah, but mm-hmm. I'm not the one playing them, so I don't feel like I'm playing them. You get to experience the good parts without you any can. of the stress or difficulty. That's you also, true. You also, like could just go, you also could just play them if you wanted to. Also true. Yeah, you're perfectly welcome to play <laughs> video right games with or without me. But um, that, so that, I, um, that's the problem of other things to do, like yeah. art. Yeah, we need I have time for video games because I need <laughs> to become we, an artist. Can we talk about Pyre for a bit? Accomplish before things. we like before we I get into questions. The tutorial of Pyre. That, uh, you've played. You've played the base gameplay, right? Yes. Okay. It's soccer. Tutorial. It's, it's great. Rugby. Yeah, it's rugby. I, I uh, like. I actually I didn't know. Love it. I didn't know either. I I like actively. So I would. I've been to four packs since like they had a playable demo at yeah. packs. I actively refuse to even like go near their booth and like look at the merch and then run away because I wanted nothing to do with any spoilers. Because I went into a. I went in tra- transistor hoping it was going to be like bastion and then it wasn't and i was furious i hated transistor and so for this one i'm like okay clean slate not even going to think about what it could be i'm just uh-huh. going to go into it knowing that it's going to be beautiful and it's going to have a great soundtrack yeah and that's going to All be the you know end about of it. is the audio visual yeah which is reliable because like yeah because the audio that, is still great yeah the audio is great the How visuals are, are great um i have gotten to the bird people yeah the bird people so I don't think I'm there I'm probably, yet. So yeah. you encountered like Rocker Dog, 
Yeah, Rocker Dog. That, <laughs> that was, was funny. That was one of my favorite musical cues of like when the music completely changes genres. <laughs> yeah. Fit yeah. Personalities no, of great. characters. And I'm like, I'm listening to a straight up like, this is like a building rock intro. And I don't want to even, I like, I sat there for 20 seconds and didn't even speak because I was just listening to the song build. I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. I like this. This is good. I'm happy. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like, I, I didn't spoil myself at all. All I knew was the screenshots on the Steam page. And those do not adequately prepare you for the, the, the uh, <laughs> freaking paradigm shifts you are going to walk into here. Because yeah. I thought it was a top-down, turn-based, uh, party-based RPG. <laughs> where I you thought take it was turns a tactical RPG. And then I love yeah. it. Playing it's rugby, a, and I'm like, what? It's <laughs> a sports game. It's, it's a weird awesome. sports sim. It's so satisfying. Like, I, I love each and every one of the characters, and I love cheesing the shit out of it. Uh... So you get an item later on uh, that gives you money every time you banish a guy. <laughs> and so I gave it to Jadariel, the giant high damage tank lady. Uh, or not high damage, but like high attack range. She has range. the largest aura. You know, the, the, char- yeah. the bruiser. I give it to you're, her. You're, she's your own, so. Yeah, and then I just camp their spawn, like slightly off so I don't get uh, murked in the process. Because uh, everybody has slight spawn invulnerability. But apart from that, I am just I am just there to uh, to farm people for money uh, for a little while before I actually anymore. play. Yeah, there's like an upper limit on it on it that you can upgrade, which is super satisfying. So I'm just like Jeez. I'm just going to act it like you know you come across these people that are like talking about how they hate you or like why you need to lose or like you various things, and I'm just like I'm going <laughs> to farm you for money. And At this point, kind of Jadariel probably tone. hates us, though. It's great. Oh, yeah. Because we've never actually gone with any of her rational decisions. <laughs> as we far as I can tell, the there's no, like, route. actual limitations. It's just like, well, okay, you just didn't go with her option. She gets a minor so, debuff. So this is worth telling, this is worth telling uh, Bird about, about what's cool about uh, Pyre, is that the game doesn't game over. So if you lose, mm-hmm. the you canonically lose, and the story moves forward. With that loss oh. being part of the story. So it's actually a we decent incentive to yet, play the game on I a higher difficulty if you're if you're not having trouble is that if you want, you can go to a higher difficulty and increase the chance of losing so that the story can branch differently. And you'll actually, because you meet the people, uh, you meet all these different people before the, the actual match starts, you might even like see somewhere you're like, I want to lose against them. Kind of like how like with a, it's like almost like Papers, Please, where you're making... Like, you're incentivized to make money to save your family, and that's why you're doing the job in Papers, Please. But then there's other circumstances that come up of, like, human trafficking and all these other weird things going on in that game where you're like, maybe I want to let this person through and not that person, even though that person's papers are good or bad and so on. Like, you sub- it subverts the, the uh, primary incentive structure in a cool way. Like yeah, because you're trying to get out of the purgatory. It might actually be. I, I might do the Bastion thing where I play through Pyre a second time around. Yeah, just to see what changes. I think I'm going to play it a second time on the highest difficulty and just see when I canonically lose. Because <laughs> I, I think I'm yeah, going to be the I, first I think... playthrough without ever losing because I'm destroying it on normal. Yeah, it gets a little bit more complicated. Like the enemies definitely get smarter. I've had them like, uh, they're starting to like pass around me. I suck at passing, so like that is. That is something that actively... Yeah, you've only ever had them douse uh, your flame, like, two or three times. Yeah, I'm never in danger of losing, but it is getting there where, like, by the end of this, I might actively be, like... Well, actually... It is very much a new (laughs) skill set to learn. It's like NBA Jam. But, Uh so, 
because of the whole like you can't lose we thing. We finally I'm got actually... our NBA Jam visual novel. We did. We, <laughs> we did. did. We did, and it's great. But like, uh, because of the whole you can't game over thing, it actually is like um, driving me a little bit nuts because it's one of those where I want to. I just want to see what happens where I win every single one of them, and then I will more than gladly like go back and just shit around and fail all the time just to see what the uh, kind the of bad are. results are. Yeah, that would but be terrible though because I'm just because... imagining our comrades being like, "Oh no, we're losing our chance at getting out of here." Yeah. But also, like, yeah. what is it? Do you have to defeat every single one to get out? Or... I have no idea. It's kind of How unclear. Does it work? Because like yeah. when, when you start the game up, they show you the constellation, and it seems to be implied that you're going to each of the stars in the constellation, like the location they match up with. But there's only like seven, and the game mm. supposedly is like not that short. <laughs> I forgot how I forgot. Do you have saw. rematches or like what's going to go see. on? Apparently, it's 18 hours long, according to uh, one of my fans. So let's see, Pyre. How long to beat puts it at 10 hours long so far, whereas like Bastion okay. and Transistor were like five hours long. And so I was like, mm-hmm. th- if this game's going to be as fat, like I thought, it was starting to feel like maybe the game would be as 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 long as Bastion was because of it, it was implying that there might be only seven rounds, but there must be either either those stars don't have a one to one correlation, or you finish that and well, something else. They happens. have been so far, though. Yeah, they have been so far. Like uh, uh, there are, I believe, eight battles total in the entire game. Because we've been fight, mm. we've been fighting under the corpses of the Titans. That yeah, they're defeated by each the scribe, battle corresponds so. with one of the with one of the scribes, so on and so forth. I think maybe the eighteen hours has more to do with the um, has more to do with like uh, replaying through things. But I don't know. Well, I no, guess the, I'm, the, I'm, the issue here is that like the way that how long to beat is goes is you specifically say it took me this long to beat the main story, or it took me this long to do main story plus more stuff I also did, or completionist here. and stuff like that. The main story tier for just beating the story is ten hours. According okay. to, according mm-hmm. to the know. metrics mm-hmm. so far, it's like I think it just has more that happens. Well, I think the game might not also, just be only eight rounds long because like I got like well, like four rounds in like two hours. It, it, get, it gets <laughs> Maybe longer. Get longer. Yeah, yeah, it actually gets a fair bit longer as you progress. There's more like story because there's more story talking, a uh, cu- mm. couple of like mini gamesy things. Mm-hmm. Um, which is I don't know I. I found the entire. I found the entire experience. You acquire more characters, and then yeah. they have their own little things to go. Yeah. Go on, okay. But uh, specifically, I got a really, really mean spirited comment earlier today. Really? Uh, yeah, calling Never. me like a a super giant apologist the- fanboy, and that uh, the pyre is, <laughs> you know, one of the worst games they've ever seen. And I'm like, excuse me, I hated Transistor. <laughs> It was one of it's one of my biggest disappointments next to No Man's Sky. I think I'm a fairly reliable source for liking or not liking a super giant don't you, game. Don't you like how people have to subvert the reason why they disagree with you? It always has to be because you're corrupt in some way. Yeah, like I had oh, yeah. someone yeah. say because I because I liked the ending of Prey and thought it was actually like one of the coolest endings of that kind of story I've ever seen. Somebody was like, yeah. "Be honest, this was a total cop out." I'm like, "Be honest, what?" <laughs> when, does, when has anyone had to tell me to be honest about something? <laughs> Excuse yeah, me. I get in trouble when you I'm tend, uh, honest. You tend to hide here. your thoughts, Keith. Yeah, it's, uh, I'm, it's I'm really true. secretive about my opinions of things. What I am. Mm-hmm. God, we have to spoiler cast. Pray we cannot talk about it during a normal podcast, but we have to get around to how cool some of that shit is. Because <laughs> yeah, ah, that's a really cool idea for an ending that we will not hint at at all right now <laughs> in the middle of a podcast. Do they have a sequel in the works that could uh, actually use that or nah? I mean, Bethesda would probably make them regardless. Well, I mean, 
the the ending would imply that there probably will be a sequel. So. I mean, this was supposedly a sequel reimagining of Prey or in the, to begin with, which didn't just mm-hmm. didn't need a sequel. So Bethesda doesn't give a shit if they have a, if they have any name but recognition, they're going to ca- cash it in. Doesn't really seem like a remaking of Prey because, as I recall from footage it's of not, the original Prey, it's not even there remotely. was like a space station and all these different alien races interacting with you and it's, bounty it's, hunter-y it's stuff. It's more the of original a sequel. Prey. So you're thinking of the you're thinking of the version that never came out, which isn't even like that that like you're thinking of a version that never existed. The original prey. No, there's another one. Yeah, the original right? prey that happened has it is not even close to what you're thinking of because that was a weird like one of the many attempts to to make this game that never came out. The original uh, version from 2007 ish was a game where you were playing as a Native American that lived on a Native American reservation in a modern day, and you have like the mm-hmm. wise grandpa that talks about all the Native American ways, whereas you're the, millen- you're the you're the new millennial guy yeah. that doesn't give a shit about traditions and stuff like that. And then an alien invasion happens that kidnaps your grandpa and your girlfriend, and you're you and right. you go onto their ship, and like there's gravity defying walls and weird guns yeah. and. Your grandpa gets stabbed the shit out of by a giant machine because they're just like grabbing humans and like sucking juices out of them and or whatever the hell mm-hmm. like they're doing alieny stuff that you don't understand. So you mm-hmm. then go proceed to play like ten hours of like Quake style, just shoot everything everywhere combat, like a Doom game mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And then and like that's it. <laughs> like that's that's more or less what it is. You're trying to save your girlfriend from the horrible alien monstrosity machine with a few cool gimmicks of having genuine portals, like in a portal before that was a much of a thing. And then also the ability to run up walls and change gravity directions, which is really cool. But oh. there's literally no connection to Prey, the new one. There's no story yeah. connection besides space yeah, aliens, nothing. technically. But like the Didn't space you have, like, aliens a bird are such companion a companion too in the first Prey. Uh, no, you, I thought you turned into like a bird spirit or something, uh, it, it, something it, like that. It, it leaned heavily into the Native American stuff where if you ever died, yeah. you went into like a Native American afterlife where you fought spirit monsters <laughs> to regain your health and energy. Then, then then you would respawn exactly where you died. Uh huh. So you never truly died. It was in that. It was when everyone was trying to experiment with death systems. So they would like around the time Bioshock was like, you just pop back out and invite a chamber. Isn't that weird? And then also. Uh, two human had you getting resurrected by a Valkyrie every time you died, instead of actually dying. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Prey, like I, I well, it's more of a even, Bioshock even, than anything else. Yeah, the new Prey is uh, is like Bioshock and Deus Ex and Dishonored, and it's by the people that made Dishonored, so it's very much that. Like, here's a vague task; it's way over there. Do whatever you want to get there and do and complete the task, and like that's the fun of it. Whereas yeah. the original Prey was you have like 10 guns and your options are shoot them with this gun or that gun while you go down corridors. It's good. N- there's no level of, of similarity besides Bethesda wanted to keep their IP name copyright yeah. active or something like Spider-Man. <laughs> well, yeah, they, they paid money for it, so they were going to make money from it. <laughs> it's almost and hurting the game because no one gods. wanted a sequel to Prey. And they sued Pray for the Gods. Well, like, I think the thing is, it had enough, like, residual hype that by, like, leaning on the name and the the IP, they were able to kind of, like, uh, gain some extra interest when they really didn't need to because, like, they could have just pulled a Horizon Zero Dawn, made a completely new IP, and had it be fantastic. Yeah. But they kept hinting at making a Prey 2 for, like, five years. And so they're like, this is Uh, Prey 2 now. It's just called Prey. Are you confused yet? I don't remember, (laughs) actually, what the aliens were called in. In Prey. 
I've forgotten. Oh, it's been a month. Something morphs, right? How often, yeah. how often is it that the first follow-up of a game franchise is called the same thing again? <laughs> like, Tomb Raider had to get to, like, eight games before they called it Tomb Raider again. Uh, uh, yeah. What was the first, uh... What yeah, was the cause... first Rambo movie called? Well, <laughs> I, first Blood? I think... Yes. Yeah, I think that's actually, like, the flavor of the season, though, because we've got Doom, we've got Tomb Raider, we've got, um... Wolfenstein, like a bunch of kind of reboots, and from Bethesda in many cases. Yeah, actually, <laughs> wow. I kind of hate the company. I wish I wish they'd disappear and the developers would stick around. Yeah, we, we got <laughs> well because the, the yeah, we got a new Wolfenstein called Wolfenstein, a new Tomb Raider called Tomb Raider, a, a new Prey called Prey, and we got a new Thief called Thief, <laughs> and we got a new Doom called Doom. Uh... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's kind of silly. Really, because... with no no add-ons, no addendums. No, no. Wolfenstein was called Wolfenstein: The New Order. That's the only one that has a subtitle. Yeah, every single one of them is just called the original name again. Kind of like how Fast and Furious Four was called Fast and Furious. It's gonna be really funny in like another ten years when they do it again. And yeah. then there's gonna <laughs> and be we have three of the same name. It's Nail. gonna be like to number them. Uh, you're going to be talking about Doom 1993. That's going to be 20 years, I guess. Doom 1993, <laughs> Doom 2016, oh, no. and then I Doom <laughs> 2035. I can't wait until they reboot the Tomb Raider universe again. Yeah. Uh, so we can do the In Tomb Raider months. marathon and play the guess which game this is. It's gone to the point where Tomb Raider, Tomb Raider, Tomb Raider. It's gone to the point where when I send out the emails about the Patreon vote, whenever the, it's time to pick the next game... I have an example of like be specific, like for example, yeah. Tomb Raider 1997 or Tomb Raider 2013. Because I, <laughs> I need to know what game they're talking about, so I know which one's mm -hmm. being nominated. Because mm -hmm. one of the things was like I uh, Doom got nominated at one point. And I'm like, which one do you mean? I have to ask you because I need to put the number at the end so I know so so I know what I'm playing and what and people know what they're voting for if they vote for that Doom. And they so, meant the, they meant the new one, but I didn't know. <laughs> in the uh kind of similar vein uh i got a comment when i was uh putting up my like voting uh because i was talking about which metro game i was i was going to be playing and i'd mentioned metro last light and apparently i blew somebody's mind because they had no idea metro last light was anything other than a remake like they didn't realize it was a direct <laughs> sequel are you playing metro last light because there's I metro will, 2033 metro 2034 last light but then there's also simultaneously I'll... remakes of both of those games that came out not long yeah. after so it's hard to tell if you're talking about a sequel or a remake when you discuss that franchise now i'm very curious to see how metro last light redux is because i because metro metro redux was pretty good metro last light they have a lot of they have a lot of things they could probably improve upon, we'll say. So we'll see if they took those opportunities when they when they did it in the Redux version. Do you guys so. do you guys prefer titles where they have an added like extra title? Or do you yeah, like it? It's or do, easier. Or, oh, or do absolutely. You, or do you prefer one, two, three? <laughs> I, if it's oh. both, it's perfect. I don't I prefer both, if possible. Yeah. So it'd be like but Metroid Prime, really... Metroid Prime Two echoes Metroid Prime Three Corruption, yeah, like that kind of deal where Subtitles they have an extra nice. title and the number. Subtitles yeah, help you Subtitles remember what nice. a game is, but if you stop having a number, then you can't tell what order stuff happens in. Exactly. Yeah. Like, <laughs> at this point, there's so many Castlevanias, and admittedly, they went past the numbering system. But like back when they were still kind of side-scrolling Metroidvanias, as opposed to kind of the more recent uh, third-person action games, 
uh, having those subtitles are super important because at this point, everybody knows Castlevania Symphony, Symphony of the Night, not only because it's amazing, but also that's a damn good like subtitle. But I couldn't to, tell you what number yeah, that was in the series. Yeah. Five? But, no. So here, here's a fun six. challenge for you. Uh, let's say Bird, because he's pro- less likely to know what the what six. these things mean. Six. Yeah. So here are the names of three games. Zero Escape, Virtue's Last Reward. That's one game. Another game's called Nine Hours, Nine Persons, Nine Doors. Another game is called Zero Time Dilemma. What order do they what order do you play them in? <laughs> Second, first, third. Second, first, third. So you're saying nine 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 and then Virtue's Last Reward and then Zero Time Dilemma? Yeah. That is correct. <laughs> I knew that entirely because that is the most common order that people will shuffle three things into. God damn it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, I intent- and you probably figured that like some- the thing called last is probably not actually last because that's the yes. trick. But yeah, like what the fuck is up with the naming of that scheme? The naming that's, of that that's scheme? That's a single continuous trilogy. <laughs> and that's like an ongoing thing. It's like some games... Like some games that happens. Other games you have the Final Fantasy problem where they just call it numbers and nothing else. And you're like, um, yeah, I remember what four was. Sure. Uh, but then other games like Assassin's Creed, they drop the number eventually and they just call them subtitles event and you don't know. I hate which... the fact that the Final Fantasy MMOs count as numbers. numbered. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. because you but don't like consider Crystal them part Chronicles of the main franchise. For some reason. Yeah. Crystal Chronicles, uh, there's like a billion off-brand Final Fantasies because there's the Final yeah. Fantasy Tactics, there's the Dissidia series, the which apparently the, the Final Fantasy looks good. Yeah, there's the, well, I like the Dash 2s because that makes sense. Does Final but Fantasy XI even exist it. anymore? Considering it was that MMO that came out before this new MMO, 14. Here's, the problem is that that's how messed up their naming scheme is. Lightning Returns Final Fantasy 13 is not called Final Fantasy 13 3. Really? That's it's called it's Lightning called. Returns Final Fantasy thir- 13, which makes it look like uh, it's just the subtitle of the Final Fantasy 13 game, but it's not. Yeah. And then you have the problem of Half-Life 1, Half-Life 2, Half-Life 2 Episode 1, Half-Life 2 Episode 2, where I fell for that. I started Half-Life 2 with Episode 1 because it's called Episode 1. <laughs> right. It's not. I actually yeah. did the, the same first thing. first expansion to, to Half-Life 2. And I'm like, what? I, I went from Half-Life 1 to Half- Half-Life 2 Episode 1, and it was the most confusing thing ever, because yeah. already there's, like, this weird time gap, but then suddenly Gordon Freeman is actually, like, in the world doing stuff, and I'm like, wait, how do we get yeah, from, like, that... he's out in the that- woods and shit, and yeah, it, like, makes yeah, no sense. Well, stuff. No, you're on a train. You're you're yeah. escaping from the facility at the end of, uh... Uh, Half Life. Yeah, yeah, at the end of Half Life too. They were gonna blow you up, but then they didn't blow you up, and you're like, "Why am I getting saved from getting blowed up? Didn't, Why like, the are tower- the Vorticons oh, yeah, helping me?" It's because like the, yeah. what, the tower exploded, and then G-Man freezes yeah. time and teleports you somewhere else or something. Yeah, to and a that, train and that's at the base when of the tower. One starts. Yeah, yeah. Also, it totally be- defeats the purpose of the subversion of mechanics if you start there, because the whole point is the game starts you off with a supercharged mega gravity gun that breaks all the rules of the first half li- uh, version of Half-Life 2, because you could use it on people, and just pick up people mm-hmm. and throw them at people, and that's not supposed to happen. But I thought that was just how the gravity guns worked, and I'm like, and so when it took it away from me, I thought it was like Alucard, where they drain your powers and you're going to get them back later, but that doesn't happen, because it's normally not like that. <laughs> Whoops. Yeah, naming schemes are totally screwed. Good luck trying to piece together like the order in which to play uh 
like the or the order in which to watch Marvel movies like ten years from now, or the order yeah. in which to play uh, oh, to dude. play Assassin's Creed games. It's worth. Well, I mean, if you read the comics, it's you're already like uh, screwed. Yeah, trying to like yeah. keep track of where the chronology is because they've got numbers, but then anytime they do one of those like big crossover events. You have to then pick up like a random episode of like X Men, for example, if you want to understand what the hell's going on, because they or like or like if you go back, you'd have to watch all these movies and the Avengers movies and then figure out where they sync up with the uh, television yeah. show uh, Agents of Shield. You look at the franchise and it's like one, two, and three. What the fuck? Yep. How am I gonna figure this out? And then, by the way, yeah. these movies are not going to help you out because the only movies in the entirety, I think the only movies in the entirety of the Ave- Avengers chronology so far that features numbers to tell you what order they are in are Iron Man and Guardians of the Galaxy. Right. All yes. the other sequels are subtitles. Yeah, Captain America, Civil, Civil War, War, Winter Soldier, Thor, Thor The Dark Ragnarok. World, and Ragnarok. Dark, yeah. yeah, And then even the Avengers movies don't have numbers. Age of Cybertron or Age of Ultron, I mean. Ultron. And stuff like that. <laughs> And that's mm-hmm. all they give you. It's like that's all you what? <laughs> like you have to fight you have to look up a spreadsheet to figure out what what order to watch and play things in now because there's we don't have numbers and we can't figure these things out anymore. It's scary. And by scary I mean completely inconsequential <laughs> and not yeah. actually important. Well, <laughs> is it time for questions? Do we have any? Yeah. There's one yeah. for me apparently. I don't remember if I asked this one already. So I'm gonna just ask you again, I guess. If, if not, uh, Darkrius asks Bird, what is your best advice for a beginning software developer that desires to learn as much as possible of logic and languages? Practice makes perfect, I know, but I'm curious on your insight on the craft. Oh, man. Um, uh. <laughs> I'm trying to remember what I did. Uh, so... Suck up to Jeff Bezos as much as possible. <laughs> Get a job at Amazon. Pretend you do work. Go to concerts. Pretend you do work. Pretend you do work and go to <laughs> concerts. Oh, too true. Too true. I, anyway. I'm, I'm, I'm used to the the office behavior, uh, experience of pretending to do work. <laughs> so um, what I did pretty early on was I got really good at mathematics, uh, which actually helped a lot because if you really get into computer science and you get into programming, a lot of it becomes this like um number theory type of stuff that you do and uh that really kind of separates out like the true cream of the crop in my opinion but um that isn't really practical so i'm trying to remember like what i did that like helped out the most practically and uh i guess what i did was um mostly just like i just tried to learn as much as i could so I, I tried to learn a whole variety of programming languages pretty much right away. And then I picked the one that I thought was the most fun and then just got really good at that one. So I kind of went really wide at first. And then I was like, I'm going to become really good at um, Java, for example. Or um, I did a lot of work in C, too, when I was like starting starting out. And then it was... From that, I just I just um, learned a lot of like algorithms and data structures, and I would just implement them in my favorite languages. So I would learn like how do you make a linked list in C? How do you make it in Java? 
And then I was like, okay, I've kind of got the good grasp on that. Grasp on that. How do I make a a um a tree in C? How do I traverse a tree and stuff like that? So I did a lot of very pure computer sciencey stuff. And then when it came time to actually doing software engineering, I kind of knew how everything worked under the hood. And I knew like all the basic building blocks of making a computer program and then like organizing it and data sciencey stuff. And then I was able to just make things. But the important thing is I knew exactly what I was doing pretty much at all times because I knew the language really well and I knew the data structures really well. And uh, with that, I was able to really progress very, very um, quickly and uh, was able to have like a really high standard and um, I don't really know how else I can really put it, but uh, that that was that was kind of my route uh, for the and that took me probably about two to three years before I really felt like I'd mastered a lot of those things. So takes some time and uh, takes a lot of really hard study. Um, but it's just mastering your fundamentals and your mathematics and your data science. So there you go. There's your very, very serious answer in have, this gaming podcast. <laughs> I, have a con- I have a convention, uh, convention, a confession to make, which is I think I already asked this question because there's a follow up question. <laughs> oh, oh, funny. Because <laughs> he later. I hope said, my answer was consistent with my yeah. old one. <laughs> so we can try to backtrack back because because their follow up was. So are you saying for a novice programmer? that said person should continue to practice their skills, research the knowledge multiple times, continue my mathematics, and feed my appetite for knowledge, which kind of just seems like a nothing vague response, though. Like no, th- I mean... So you're saying I should learn more. <laughs> yeah, hopefully I... like the, the answer I just gave, I feel, like, pretty much lays out exactly, like, what um, I think you would primarily get the most bang for your buck for learning how to do. And uh, it also, if you learn these things really well, it also makes your job interviews go by a lot easier because that's just the nature of how job interviews are usually conducted for technical people is it's super duper nitty gritty, like highly abstract data science questions. So if you can, um, not data science, but I I forget what the exact term is. Um, Know all the things and be up to everything until you have no social life. And then you yeah. get a job, and then you can focus on that specific thing. <laughs> That's not actually too inaccurate. Yeah, I mean, I live in a I, house full of I tech people. I worked very, don't very hard. I know their lives. I worked very, very hard. Where I was just literally grinding up, like how to get these data structures and algorithms more or less into my bones. And then when I got to my job, it was much easier because it was just like um, apply this thing. Oh, by the way, everything's broken and on fire permanently. So your job is more... My job is mostly um, operational stuff and uh, fixing bugs and um, putting out fires way more than it is about programming. And it's also about having fun and talking to people and going to symphony orchestra concerts. (laughs) So yeah, there's there's a very, very serious bird career advice um in the middle of the podcast so there you go 
Serious serious answers are fun though. I've been I've been doing a lot of those in the Q and A series lately, where I did a whole thing about my childhood, basically that people were empathizing with, and it's like, yay, I'm kind of helping a few people, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sometimes yep. real answers are necessary. Omni Negro mm-hmm. wants to know if anyone has opinions about Enderall, which I had to look up is apparently a total conversion mod for Skyrim, so I don't have an opinion because I just had to look up what it meant. I don't have an what? opinion either because I've never heard of it. What does the mod do? It's a total conversion, which means that they, they use the engine and some assets, but they like remake a game within it, basically. Yeah. So it's like it's like as if you loaded up Skyrim, but instead of Skyrim, you got a different continent. Basically, with its own content uh, inside of it, oh, so it's called Enderall, the with... Shards of Order, and I that's I just found that out. <laughs> one thing that I wonder though is with all of these mods for Skyrim and Fallout and things, like are these condoned by the companies that make them, or are they things that people rip? <laughs> that's a whole new oh, that's can a of worms there. So it, var- it varies a lot. If they're making their own game with it, then what? It. So it varies a lot. A lot of them require the base game in order to play. That's often yeah. usually the case in Skyrim. So mm-hmm. Bethesda often embraces it as a thing that adds value to their product that they don't have to put effort into, basically. And so like, and actually, mm-hmm. that's kind of what they're criticized for is that they lately they've been trying to monetize more and more how to make money off of other people's mods for their games by trying to like make the mods paid so they get a big cut of the money and stuff like that. Uh and people see it as a people see it as kind of gross because like earlier we talked about the idea of like how Bethesda games ship broken and incomplete and weird and they often just never fix them. And so like but the then idea their fans that, fix them. Yeah, they're like ah, mods yeah. will fix our games and stuff like that and add all the stuff that people actually make makes them like them. And it's like mm-hmm. it feels it feels lazy that they rely on mods and the community to fit to basically fix their games or add more interesting content to them. And now they're trying to monetize oh. that part as opposed to just making it be like a beautiful part of the community. I'm just wondering but, what would happen if someone took the assets for a game, crafted a new game, and it actually was better than the game that it originally so derived oftentimes from. Sometimes that's like, how you get fans like, to oblivion. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> that's every Nintendo fan game is when yeah. somebody tries to make a game based on Pokemon or based on uh, every other part of Nintendo. Basically, the Metroid, the Metroid Prime yeah. attempted game and stuff like that, and then then they get a cease and desist to shut it down, or they're going to get sued. Yeah, so uh, there's some really fantastic Mega Man... So how Man. do these mods exist, then? Well, mods are kind of condoned. So this is a Skyrim... This is a Skyrim mod. So mm-hmm. the... Uh, also, Nintendo's the thing- anti-mod generally, too. Although, yeah. you have to jump through Huckster Hoops to mod console games to begin with. Yeah, so Nintendo is, is very much anti-mod because... They're so protective of their IP. They, for a long time, were even going after, like, Let's Plays, for example. And it took them years to, like, kind of come to grips with, hey, people want to play exist. your game and record it and put <laughs> it on the so internet I'm so confused stuff. by Nintendo fans, by the way. Like, why aren't there more Stardew Valleys? Yeah. You, you put mm-hmm. all that effort into making an entire game. I know. Just don't use their IP. <laughs> you oh, can like, use I... the entire game minus the IP and make... And make a billion dollars. Like, boom. Not really a billion, yeah, but you know what I mean. Like, like, I absolutely adored Pokemon Uranium. And, I, I like, halfway through, I was like, okay, serious question. Why didn't you just make... Your own game. Your own game. Yeah. Because, like, this music is fantastic. The visuals are, I mean, a little bit amateurish, but, like, whatever. And just, like, in general, this would have been an amazing product. And the answer is because they want to pay an homage. But, like, 
you'd think after the first time Nintendo cracked down on a Pokemon fan game, everybody else would be like, well. Yeah. Wouldn't this like, be the like, same argument like someone Sonic could use for fans... fan fiction and fan art, too? Yeah, that too. Yeah. It, see, well, just, re- just rename it, and it's Fifty Shades of Grey, and now it's okay. Yeah. But the, the thing is, <laughs> or, if like, you're... If you're like making a fan game, um, there is something to be said for yeah. It does. It's a lot easier to notice it if it's built off a familiar IP, which is what drives Nintendo crazy. Yeah, that's why why some people do fan art because people will people will look at your painting of Batman, but not at your original hero. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Yeah. it's like like the Sonic fans got together and made a game called Freedom Planet that uses zero Sonic assets or names, and they can put it on Steam and make money off of it. And it's Sonic. And made a lot. It's, it's Sonic the Hedgehog. Yeah. It's, it's, it's super just popular. Sonic. <laughs> yeah, but well, there were also a lot of Sonic games over the years that... Only characters did. and stuff. Not only is it just yeah. Sonic, but they got to add the more irritating... They got to cater to the part of the Sonic fans that's like, make your own Sonic the Hedgehog, because they made a bunch of different mm-hmm. characters that you could pick. And Alex now the, the Hedgehog. And, and now, look, the, Hedgehog. now <laughs> the new Sonic game has a make-your-own-Sonic character mechanic. I'm like, uh, uh, uh. I, I, will, give, oh, that's what I will give Sonic Team some credit. Insert. Isn't so- that why <laughs> so many series work with MMOs? It's like, you can be part of the Star Wars universe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Sonic Team's really I, good about never shutting down Sonic fan uh, fan yeah. projects. Yeah. Well, unless, you, unless, that, you're, unless you're stupid enough to try to sell it. <laughs> Not only that, though, they actually hired a bunch of Sonic, like, fan game makers to make Sonic Mania. Star Wars. That actually does not have a single, uh, like, original developer on it because it's just the fan game people from what I remember. Yeah. Which is actually kind of really cool. Unfortunately, Sega has their own disgusting business practices, though, because when, like, when when they were making a new sequel or remake of one of their old IPs, they'd, like shut down the channels of anyone who had ever uploaded a video of the old version because they wanted yeah, to clear the that. SEO for their new version. I'm like, that's disgusting. Sega's yeah. really fucked up, too, in their own different ways. I don't know if they still do that, though. Sure hope not, because I have a lot of Sega videos. Yeah. <laughs> they make Yakuza and Sonic. They're like, I haven't heard of it since, what was it, Shining Force? Yeah, think, that was the one. I think it was, that was what they yeah, did. Yeah, it was Shining Force. Yeah, I think Shining Force was the first and the last, because they got some real bad press for that. So, all in all, then, like, our opinions regarding mod modded games, like, to the extent where it's a complete overhaul, like, the question stated, like... I, I guess I just... Just make your own game? Yeah. Because, I, I, yeah. like, in ter- uh, especially in terms of Pokemon mods... I am absolutely crave. I absolutely crave like new uh, monster collection RPGs. I love them. I can't get enough of them. But I don't want to play Pokemon anymore because it's not new. It hasn't been new the for years. Unfortunately, the formula has gotten tiresome. So you you have to make uh, there's a value judgment to be made about like, do you want to latch onto the existing IP for exposure, or do you want to advertise yourself as a fan mix like spin-off of that uh, that concept and make yourself like a stardew valley that could be like that's more risk reward there where it could be a huge profit thing because you can charge money for it but also no one might ever know about it but if you are Mm going to make a total conversion mod you better be damn sure you know that the company's cool with it and it better be like a mod as in not like a hey download this thing on my website it's a thing i made that's like a metroid prime (laughs) or something like no you need to make a total conversion mod that like let like latches into the existing purchase of the game because that means that they're going to be okay with it and Uh that's how you get these total conversion mods of all the different bethesda games that happen fairly surprisingly frequently i think like i think enderall is even a sequel to 
uh Nevrim at fate's edge which was also a uh, that was an oblivion total conversion mod uh and then like what portal stories mel is a total conversion like it's just it's just a new campaign of portal yeah but yeah you think you, i think you need to own portal 2 to play it because it's it's a it's given its own steam page and everything and it's free but it's treated as a mod for portal 2 and that's what makes it not this gross thing that makes really that gets really problematic really quick where you're like like making a free game for people to download that that is nonetheless somebody else's game ultimately that you're repackaging and potentially profiting off of i don't know i just hope stardew valley's success leads more people to trying the same thing not only from like a farm simulator thing because those are actually really good fun but also like just i don't know Wait, the, so did Stardew take from Harvest Moon or something? Yeah, Star, oh, Stardew yeah. Valley is very, very derivative of the very first couple Harvest Moons. Yep. Uh, yep. Back when they were on the SNES, or, yeah, they were on the SNES first. And it honestly, like, goes kind of above and beyond them in a lot of ways. And it feels fantastic. And it was made by one dude. I don't know. And we're getting that more and more is when a, when a when a, when someone's not doing enough with their IP, we're getting more and more cases of somebody just making mm-hmm. a new version of their IP but just calling it something else and getting away with it and that's like that's just the thing that's, that's going to happen out. And it's the smart thing yeah. to do. Like <laughs> last fight is the long awaited finally like actual like follow up to Power Stone cuz Power Stone's been dead since the Dreamcast. But last well, fight mean, is a game that is Power Stone. Big companies like don't want to take risks even on things that like to us seem like yeah that would be totally an easy thing to do but even that's too much risk like nintendo they're gonna make a mario game they're always gonna do that because they know it's gonna go that's gonna sell well nintendo might not even make a metroid game because they that's too risky even if it will sell well it might not risky it might not sell enough maybe we can sell it if we put amiibos in it (laughs) Yeah, At this like point, they're they've confirmed they're making another Metroid. Well, they yeah, have that was, yeah, that was, that was confirmed teaser. in the last E3. Yeah. yeah. But there was a while they didn't make any new Metroids. No, they nope. didn't even... Well, well how, they did. Was, how many of the primary Nintendo franchises it, even showed up on the Wii U? It was yeah, Other none. M that pretty much, like, soured everyone's opinion of Metroid for a while, unfortunately. Because yeah. the Metroid Prime trilogy was amazing. I mean, they even repackaged it. So mm-hmm. did you guys hear you about look, the if you look uh, really really close to the end of that subtitle at the end of Met- of a uh, Tokyo uh, Tokyo Mirage session sharp FE those last three symbols represent the entirety of Fire Emblem's presence on the Wii U. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. Uh did you guys hear about uh Dead Rising 4? Which part about it? No. Its general existence the fact or what? That it sold less than a million copies and does not show up on any of Capcom's like uh, they financial report it. stuff because so they they're so embarrassed it about exists. it. Yeah, Jeez. they're sweeping that game under the rug super hard, which sucks. But I mean, they kind of deserve it. Maybe don't just shit on why anyone ever liked the thing you you made. Maybe yeah. just like stop. <laughs> It's the worst thing ever when a when a company takes something that's a niche, interest, interesting project and like, well, that did okay, but I want to make it better. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to make it the most bland shit ever made. Because that means so it feels to everyone, by which I mean nobody. <laughs> yeah, the, the middle years of Resident Evil, like five and six, of just like, it's going to be the, we're going to put a billion dollars into it, but it's going to be the most generic possible interpretation of what we think is as popular AAA video games. 
Yeah. Yeah. Like I can't, I can't emphasize enough how boring Resident Evil 6 is and how weird <laughs> Resident Evil 4 was. Resident Evil 4 is bizarre. It's a strange game. And that's why people liked it so much. And, four, and Dead Rising 1 is the most strange game. You yeah. take erotica photos of zombies to get experience points. <laughs> what? Yeah. <laughs> you don't get experience from killing things. You get experience All from... All you gotta um, do... To make a game photos? good, yeah. is you got make some it experience meme-y. for killing things, but you got a lot of experience for taking photos. I only yeah. played Resident Evil Two on the Nintendo sixty four, so oh, this we're talking Rising. about Dead Rising. Oh, now you're talking about Dead Rising. Yeah. Oh, you yeah. guys yeah. were talking about Resident Evil for a while, so I was like, oh, yeah. But then I said Dead Rising. <laughs> yep, sorry. Yeah, Dead, yeah, Rising Dead Rising was good. It's like a Dead love Rising. letter to how ridiculous Dawn of the Dead was, the first one, where it was like a bunch of campy slapstick horror violence in a mall. And so, mm-hmm. like Dead Rising, like you put, you can put on a Mega Buster costume and shoot people with styrofoam balls that don't actually help, and you can hit people with, a, like, you can hit people with genuine weapons, or you could pick up like a crappy toy laser sword and it's just plastic, so you just whack them and they fall over and they get back up, mm-hmm. and it's useless. Oh, you can, I you think can I grab, might know about the game you're talking about. You can now. grab a golf club and a bunch of golf balls and just practice your golf shot again to trying to get headshots on zombies <laughs> like it's a bonkers ridiculous game and the second game was like we're gonna do that but also you can mix weapons together so now you can get like a chainsaw two chainsaws and you t- duct tape them to the ends of like oars for a kayak and now you're gonna have a dual wielding chainsaw darth maul sword and the mm-hmm. new one was like we're gonna make it uncharted <laughs> It's going to be really well, straightforward and have no mechanics and no no emergent gameplay mechanics and you're just going to you're going to get bored because well, it's, Wander, this is what people want. We've reached the end of the stream. Have you yeah. um do you have any uh spicy food poop stories you'd like to share with us? I mean, my yeah. eyes been twitching this entire podcast, which is super uncomfortable. Still? His eyes been count? twitching it's been for, going yeah. for like 3 days. When is uh, your eat a fucking banana, dude? When is a your eyes just going to burst? I don't know. I I might actually have to like go to the doctor for this sort of thing because it's like if it persists yeah, for a week, go see a doctor. And I'm like, okay, that's get your, get your ass some potassium, and then you'll be fine. I guess I I haven't tried that. We've been afraid of bananas ever since fruit flies became like a, a serious just, problem for this. Uh, unless we put the bananas in the refrigerator, at which point they'll brown like nothing else. Uh, yeah, I remember when we initially moved in here. Of course, he insisted on getting bananas. I love <laughs> bananas. I know. I know. But then we were having so many of them flitting around our heads at night while we were reading books and stuff. It's just like, no! <laughs> Where were the flies coming one from? Banana. Were this you coming can get in the door? bananas in groups of one, right? Uh, just go to the convenience store yeah. and buy bananas and then eat them in the parking lot. <laughs> I mean, it depends on the store, but I've definitely bought bananas by the pound before, which is really funny when you take one off of the thing and they give you a the weird look. We have bananas in the refrigerator still, don't we? Yeah. No, I should I should probably be more proactive about this. I was slushy. just like, I'm just going to take it real easy this week. And then all the games came out, and I'm like, motherfucker. And what was it about <laughs> potassium that's supposed to help with your eye twitch? I guess. I don't know. Oh, by the way, because you talked about uh, wanting to do it in parallel and stuff. I, f- I just finished Zelda. I don't know if I'm going to jump straight into the Master Sword trial stuff or not, but in the uh, in the near future, like probably before the next podcast, I'll probably be starting State of Decay. Okay, my uh, probably be the next thing. In my the Patreons slot. are going to be happy because that is going to be in, uh, that is that has been the second place winner for <laughs> every single vote I've done. I figured that's the next like potentially mechanically interesting open world game to play after finishing Zelda. 
I'd be down because we've got the we've got the multiplayer version, which we should. Uh... You mean the sequel, or is there a mod now? Well, the sequel is going to have multiplayer. There yeah. is a multiplayer mod, but apparently it's like ridden with viruses, so or riddled with <gasps> okay. viruses. Wait, so we're going to stay what? away from that. Hooray! Yeah, it, was what, it was one of those where it was a promising project that a bunch of people are downloading, and then it got bought out by somebody that had less than ethical. Um, Intentions. Oh, that's horrible. Yeah. Concerning. Or it's one of those where it was always vaporware and just nobody realized it and they're just capitalizing on SEO to give people viruses. Not yeah. really sure on that one. One way or another, it's super shitty. Uh, my favorite yeah. part of humanity is how it ruins everything. Yeah. Can't wait for the sequel that is going to be officially <laughs> multiplayer. Yay. Bye-bye, everybody. Send your questions to fornerdquestions at gmail.com. For nerds if you're watching questions. on SoundCloud... And it's also 2020. Then you're not listening on SoundCloud. Let me know what happened. Let me know what happened. I'll be very curious to hear that <laughs> story. SoundCloud RIP. Yeah, if you're um, if you're listening <laughs> to this really going? in audio form somewhere, uh, I don't know when, but there's a very real chance <laughs> it'll have to relocate somewhere, and then might fuck up like iTunes feeds and stuff because SoundCloud's dying and that's where send us an email now uh, so, so we know where want, to upload if you it. want to the uh the website i host grave of man through has like uh two more podcast feeds that we like run through that's so i can just give you access to that because <laughs> yeah it's just gonna die now bye glad i paid like a hundred dollars <laughs> for that <laughs> or i don't remember how much it was but i paid for a year yeah Aww. and uh the little well, did we know? <laughs> it's it's the end of the Price is Right when somebody loses. Oh, the bum bum bum. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. what it just did. How do you, it bum bum bumba? I didn't like, hear the beginning part properly. <laughs> I did it twice. It's fine. It's fine. I like how fine. mad Bird is about this. It's fine, Bird. We're talking about Dead Rising now. No, we're talking about EDF. <laughs> See y'all next time.